Uh, that's it. And we're here. All right, let's try the coffee first that you brought. Okay. Oh, hello. Yes, I am with uh, Boaz Russell today, my friend with the mustache, um, and he who brought coffee for us to try. Which one's this one again? So this is a, a coffee from uh, my place of employment, uh, More Brewing. So it is a dark matter coffee. A collaboration that we had with them for one of our breakfast stouts. Uh, we use their coffee in our uh, stouts that we use coffee. And so this is a coffee that we then took that uh, product that we created and then they conditioned their beans back <coughs> with that stout and then roasted it. They basically like bathed the green beans into the with the stout and then roasted it. And what's left is like this like really delicious aromatic cup so dang i've been okay. getting a lot of these recently actually so the coffee up to share yeah the coffee episode is going to be so much fun mm-hmm. <laughs> but we're not talking about that today i really appreciate though you making the time i know that you are an extremely busy man um do you have an opinion when i when i was asking you about the about the title do you have an opinion on one of the two or if you have a better idea for this for the name, yeah, hmm. because I'm still are, I'm still fighting with myself. I still don't know. I don't know. I don't feel like either of the two that I had talked about were the right one, but I don't know. So I see, like, kind of <clears throat> what it seems like your idea is to just kind of generate. I mean, as I see it, it's pretty much a direct, direct translation. I was like wanting to see things from my perspective, yeah. kind of seeing how that can kind of correspond with yours or maybe mm-hmm. the person listening to this. Like, uh, in contrast, um, I think this could possibly benefit, I, I, I hate to be that guy, but from like a Latin treatment, like, like <laughs> <laughs> looking into like the, the actual meanings of words and yeah. seeing if there's a certain meaning mm-hmm. that could contrive from something like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's like all those... Uh, different w- words for love yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. and so maybe there's some kind of cool word that is all about the maybe feeling that you feel mm-hmm. when you converse with somebody that yeah, kind of yeah. openness mm-hmm. that might be cool to look at i i, I don't yeah. know what that would be no <laughs> i'll have to look into that by any means but uh <laughs> well, it's always right. that's always my go-to whenever naming something <laughs> is looking up the latin. latin yeah my dad knew latin i mean he studied that for a time it's really funny listening to him when they like say random latin things in movies and he'll randomly be like oh gosh that's da 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 <laughs> i'm like dad that's crazy i i can't remember anything i learned in high school and my high school experience was significantly closer than my dad's college experience and he still can remember <laughs> latin yeah goodness no, i definitely took like those latin classes where you can kind of like <coughs> learn the root words of things but yeah you were no. really homeschooled. I was really homeschooled, yeah. <laughs> I'll show it, but yeah, believe me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> See, everyone at, when I went to MCC, everyone there was like, oh, you're obviously homeschooled. Look at, the, you're, you, you dress differently and you're actually doing any of your schoolwork. And <laughs> MCC, the people that went there were the kids that couldn't afford to go anywhere else. Like, there was nothing that MCC did well where you'd go, oh... MCC is a half-decent option. No, it was just all bottom of the barrel outside of a couple of good teachers, right? Yeah. Um, 
I think ECC is a little bit different. Like there's actual, there there it's known for a number of different things. I mean, Amanda went to, we went to Wales, and when she was looking at different universities over there, I, comparing the art department to ECC, she was like, I can't find anything <laughs> that matches up with this. So I think that's that's just crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think I think there's definitely some truth to that. I mean, at the end of the day, it's still a community college. Now, yeah. the the budget for ECC is also obviously higher than MCC, but it's not as <laughs> high as like a Harper, mm-hmm. which is like literally a the university in yeah. its own way. But yeah, I, I, there was never any shortage of people who wanted nothing more than to not be at ECC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also oh, I'm sure. as well. But um, yeah, That's I mean, I was one of those people. I, I went there because, and not because I literally couldn't afford anything else, but I just don't think that for me, mm-hmm. I think that it's best when it comes to education, mm-hmm. top dollar doesn't always get you top education. Yeah. I think just a hard look at like, you know, the examples of like all the different people who went to like Harvard and stuff. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, it's not about like the piece of paper you hold. It's just about mm-hmm. what you, it's not even about your experience really. It's what you make of the experience. Yeah. And with my mindset going through ECC, I was like, this is a place that I genuinely want to be mm-hmm. because I know that it's giving me the tools that I need to make things happen on my own. They're not mm-hmm. just giving me, you know, what I'm paying for. Yeah, like I actually yeah. kind of have to make use of what I'm given. And I guess mm-hmm. that's kind of been my way of living through life, even as a kid. I mean, <laughs> when you're homeschooled, you know, it's like we're conditioned to learn that we like to learn. We like to <laughs> Which is the Achilles heel of us all. <laughs> If you've ever well, been a homeschooler and that you want to teach them something, like they may pretending to not be uninterested, but they're yeah, always they're, interested. Well, I, I feel like I was I was told that, you know, I got to learn in a much better way, in a way I prefer. And for some of that was the case. I'll be honest. I I think that homeschooling gives tremendous opportunity to really take each individual person and allow them to enjoy learning, to learn the things they're interested in, and to, and to find out the best way for them to learn and help them down the road when it comes to, well, I mean, simple communication and bettering yourself, but finding universities, finding programs that you want to do, finding the kind of businesses and workplace environments. Like it, it could be, the possibilities are huge. However, I don't think a lot of people take advantage of that and or have the ability. Like my mom didn't have the ability to individually figure out the specific curriculum, design entirely different curriculums for each one of myself, Jared, Kate, and Trinity, Emma, Karen, mm-hmm. you know, and she was trying to do all the different grades, which is why at like 13, it was a lot of here's your book, you know, mm-hmm. have fun. Yeah. But I knew a woman that homeschooled her two boys and... Like, one of the projects was she bought them, like, completely torn down, do not work cars. And they each had to fix them. That was their, like, senior year project. They had to fix them. Or, no, not senior year. uh, Junior, maybe junior, sophomore year. She bought them, like, totally trashed cars. They had to figure out how to completely fix the car themselves and learn how to do everything. And so, at the end of it, they had their own cars. And they knew how to fix slash build cars. Right? Like that was one of the things. Or or over the summer they went to like 
every semi-major or every ma- major Civil War um, battlefield. And then they and they were doing writing on all of that. And then and then geography based off of that and in literature reading things done at the time. And then so like like entirely I mean she she did incredible things and really worked with them individually and tried to find different ways to do things. So like that that's the possibility, right? That's incredible. I don't know if everyone gets to do that, but I still I walked away not liking learning because I was homeschooled but I think I had more I eventually loved learning and I think it's because I didn't hate it as much as a lot mm-hmm. of the people I know that did go to uh, public school and just I they wouldn't pick up a book they refused to pick up a book because that was just all it was so I sure. don't know so here's a question mm-hmm. that I just want your opinion on oh wow do you think we're switching it up already we are. Well, it's, it's, before it's, it started <laughs> Hi, welcome to my podcast. <laughs> no, no um, and this is just for your, uh, just kind of your opinion. I just want to yeah. kind of see what you think about this. Mm-hmm. Is that do you think being homeschooled prepares you better or hinders you better for college and kind of going down your own life path? Like, do mm-hmm. you think that when you hopped in, you had a head start on everybody? Do you think you were held back, or do you think you were pretty much on par with everybody else? I would say there were different things I was not as experienced in like writing papers and mm-hmm. dealing with teachers who wouldn't communicate, dealing with group projects. Oh. There, are, there are things like that. However, I think I was better equipped to figure out how to do things I didn't know. So I, I, I would be like, I don't know how to do this. Well, I'll figure out how to do this. Versus the other people I was with had no idea how to do that. They were like, well, they didn't teach me how to do it, so I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how to figure it out. Obviously, that's a, a generalization, but that was my experience was a lot of the people didn't have, didn't learn how to adapt, right? How to figure things out for themselves, how to go, okay, this isn't working. Why don't I try this? Why don't I do this? There was a lot of, they kept hitting walls. Now, at MCC, those are the people that don't go to university <laughs> off the bat. So I was probably in a very specific demographic as well. Um, but I, I felt very prepared to be unprepared. I felt very prepared to go out and not know what I was doing and just learn it. Even if I didn't know, I didn't know how to write papers. I still got A's on all my papers and I learned how to write a paper and then I wrote papers. Um, and so a lot of the beginning, the bottom grade classes like this is new we're trying these new things i was significantly above average i was above average um with the things that other people knew and i was just kind of learning um yeah i i i, I did well but at the same time it was exhausting for me um because i was not used to that much studying in that much in the tests, in the papers, in, in, yeah, yeah, figuring that all out. On top of, I started working at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was kind of messy for me. What yeah. about you? So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit in the same boat where I think that my perspective <clears throat> obviously changed as I progressed through college. Um, when I first hopped in, uh, I was a much different person than I was in high school mm-hmm. compared to who I was in college. Yeah. And so being able to kind of target my interests specifically in high school 
it was great learning for me because I kind of found out what I didn't want to be professionally, yeah. <laughs> which is important, right? Because <laughs> yes, it you never want to like just say, oh, I'm stuck down this path. Now mm-hmm. I have to live my life being an engineer or anything. But um, because of that, um, I would say that it didn't necessarily... I think the thing that it hindered me with was being more of a good student. Yep. And But I had the determination to be a good, I guess, air quotes, a worker going mm-hmm. into it, right? So, um, and not that there's anything wrong with that. There's people who are amazing students. I mean, I knew somebody who, uh, I did uh, robotics in high school and somebody that I knew got a perfect score on his ACT. Like, he was, he was <laughs> smart, like, wow. he, was a, he was a genius. <laughs> and he's a great student, right? Did you take the ACT? I did take the ACT. Wow, okay. And I, so I... You like, in, I at the not, time that everyone else did? Yeah. Like, like in high school? Like before Oh, see, I didn't take it until I had to to go to the UK. Oh, really? I had to do it. Yeah. Oh, wow. So like I didn't I didn't study for it. I yeah. just went in and took it. Yeah, no, I didn't study <laughs> I didn't, for it either. I didn't take the ACT. <laughs> I did with one practice else. test and I was like, okay, these are the kind of the questions I could expect. Oh, I didn't even do that. I was <laughs> yeah. just like, ah, I'll be okay. You did I the think. essay and everything? Um, no, no didn't I didn't have to, have to do the essay okay. actually because I for because in my transcript I had enough English, but I needed general um, because I didn't have a community college degree, I needed right. general testing. Some sort stuff. of, yeah. yeah, some sort of guidance. I didn't have gotcha. to do it. Sorry. Yeah. But I just, I was wondering, because no, yeah. some homeschoolers a lot didn't because they just went to community college and got degrees. Right. And, and like, I didn't even need to, right? <laughs> like, yeah. even if I went there and I did my classes and then I did my transfer, because my original goal was to go there for two years. Transfer to University of Illinois in Chicago <laughs> or Northern Illinois University. So I would have kept it pretty close to home. But mm-hmm. um, the, yeah, I, I think we I took the test. It was one of those things where my mom was like, no, it'll be a good experience for you. Like, you, you, like, you have to take <clears> it just because, you know, in, in Illinois, uh, uh, homeschool is considered a private school, right? Mm-hmm. You still need some sort of baseline to determine... Mm-hmm. You know, that you at least know, like, the bare minimum of yeah. what other kids know, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And so I think that was kind of the mindset behind it. I'm glad I took it for sure. Yeah. It was my first big test of, like, my whole life sans my, like, driver's test, right? <laughs> yeah. Which is so easy. And so I think that that was, it was good for me to take for sure. But even when I got to college, I felt so blindsided by oh, really? the same thing, like, of, like, <clears throat> you know... It was it was freeing in mm-hmm. a sense because it was like oh I have to be at class at this time every yeah. day and there were some classes where it was like I was there every single day in the math class yeah. I was there every single evening from like like six thirty to eight thirty like for two hours mm-hmm. every night it was kind of like a accelerated thing because I didn't do that great on my placement test for math <laughs> oh dude I had to take two classes before I got to college level. Oh yeah, no, yeah. yeah. I, no, I had to take I, two, I, I and them. then I dropped out of the college level one in the middle of it because my teacher was horrible. I was like, "Screw this!" Yeah. So <laughs> I took, I took, I did terrible on my placement test, but I did good enough to where I needed. I, I had to take the remedial, but it was an accelerated mer- mm-hmm. uh, remedial. So it was basically like there was 096 and 098, and I took 099, and it was mm-hmm. basically those two classes, so I didn't gotcha. have to take the two. Yeah. But it was rough. Again, it was two mm-hmm. hours every day, and then 
every every evening and yeah that was my first experience being uh and on top of that working in the morning before that then on every other day i would have a different class so like i was it was definitely awakening but wow as i kind of progressed through it and got, i'm really happy i got all those hard classes out of the way mm-hmm. um because like that <laughs> when i got to like my final use there you know it was like I kind of like had a little bit of senioritis where I was yeah. just like, oh man, this is so easy. All art classes. <laughs> but also like, it was definitely like, I'm happy that I got those out of the way. And then yeah. I took my one college class, which was stats. I actually didn't mind stats that much, actually. I know a lot of people hate it, but it's kind of fun to actually put math into applicable situations that yep. applied to me. So it was either going to be that or liberal arts math, which is like... What does that mean? It's, 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 it's very That sounds strange. like bullshit. I'm it not going to lie. That kind, sounds fake. It kind of was bullshit. <laughs> it was, that sounds it's fake. It's basically it's like, like dancer's math. Yeah. Really? Yeah, right. Painting, <laughs> so, it's painting with numbers. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like a little bit of everything, but I guess it's, it's mainly stuff to do with like money and okay. like, like kind of like, I don't know. It, it was like concepts that you can apply to like how you can calculate this and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But stats, I think was, Consumer? it's kind of the same it is. Yeah, I guess it yeah. was a little bit kind of like that. But stats was also had to do with money. Just yeah, yeah. all these different other aspects. So I will say stats was one of my favorite math courses I've ever taken. Do you? Which is interesting. Wow. Ma- uh, stats and the geometry. <clears throat> I just love being able to put those numbers into practical. Okay. I got screwed over because the teacher that I took geometry with at my co-op, my homeschool co-op, told my mom I would be fine taking it. Before taking algebra, which what? is not, no, algebra, yeah, algebra anything, okay. which is not true is at all. <laughs> so we would be in the middle of class and she would say something as like an obvious, uh, negative times negative equals a positive, right? Something mm-hmm. like that. And I'd be like, what? I mean, <laughs> one guy, so anyway, I raised my hand and she'd tell my friend who was in the class with me to teach me it later because she knew we had a study group, him and I, and we would meet um <laughs> to do that and that was just that was an asshole move yeah. <laughs> so my geometry was hell i understood none of it and i think i passed with like a b maybe a b i don't even know because i always <laughs> did well on homework but not on tests oh yeah no that was you know yeah. so but yeah i hated geometry <laughs> <laughs> well that, yeah that's like trying to read a book and you don't know how to read yeah <laughs> it was really pictures, it was a so mess. Can, yeah. my mom was like no your teacher said it was fine and i'm sitting there like no it's not yeah it is absolutely <laughs> yeah uh, as somebody who took algebra one geometry <laughs> and then algebra two i enjoyed it <laughs> well, but i can't speak yeah. the same for everybody else and <laughs> i'll leave it at that but so so 19 minutes into the podcast <laughs> what the subject of today, which we kind of touched on a little bit, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, your experience at ECC, um, at least an, an okay amount. Um, so, photography, which yes. is, since I've met you, you were the photography guy, right? Um, and, uh, and I don't have much experience with that. It's, it's my mom's love, the idea of it. She's never done it, done it, right? She's always had a camera, though. It's mm-hmm. big on her. My grandma was a photographer for, like, the Chicago Tribune and did it for newspapers and, and did some of that when she was journaling. But it's not something that I've really spent a lot of time with. Um, but it, it, it's I've always thought it was really neat. You know, Jared and Caden 
enjoy doing what they do of photography. Um, but what was it? So how did you get involved in photography at all? What was it? Is it a family thing? Does anyone else you know or in your family do it? So it is not a family thing. I will say that my mom, as many others, had took many a photographs of her kids, yeah. but I kind of grew up in that weird era between when film was kind of going out of style and yeah. digital was on mm -hmm. the brink, but digital was like either crappy mm -hmm. or expensive, yeah. right? And oh yeah, so, it was super pixelated. And yeah. The zoom wasn't, it didn't actually zoom. No. So, so the funny thing yeah. is there is actually, if you go into my family history boxes, yeah. there's, I would say, a considerable amount less photographs of me yeah. And not just me, like me and also my sister, who's kind of similar to my age, compared to my oldest sister and my youngest brother. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of, it's just funny because it's like, like I go back and it's not something that like I wish was different. It's just like, <laughs> that's what it is. Like yeah. it's probably 80% of the photos of me from ages like three to 10, I'm crying, <laughs> I'm bawling my eyes because <laughs> I hated getting my photo taken. Um, and there's a reason <laughs> for that too, which I'll talk about, but yeah. Um, but it's actually funny, so it's not necessarily a family thing. Okay. My mom did take a course in college, a darkroom photography, um, yeah. you know, back before digital, um, at NIU. And um, she said she really enjoyed it, but my mom was more or less a graphic designer, which is oh, kind okay. of where I get my graphic I didn't design know that. background. So my mom studied to be a graphic designer right before the turnover to the digital computer. So she was a graphic designer wow. on pen and paper. No with way. like the French curves. You Holy would crap. order fonts on like a sticky sheet and you stick it onto the poster by hand. So. I didn't know, that's really interesting. So my mom, she. And it was she so wasn't, called, yeah, graphic design. Yeah. It's, it's it, it just seems so digital to me. It to is, and it, it totally is these days. But back then it was, it was literally, it was studying the fundamentals of design and not that that's what it isn't today. Yeah. Um, but it was definitely a lot more hands-on. You were much more of a mixed media artist, yeah. painter, typographer, mm -hmm. you know, even copy editor and yeah. typist and everything. And it was, it was such an interesting, like, honestly, if I could go back and yeah. become a graphic designer, then I would. Cause it's just, it's kind of like, I love that concept of just being like a jack of all trades. Yeah. Like, do whatever you need to get the job done. She must know how to hand do so many different fonts. Oh, yeah. I mean, she, she... Like, I'm sure you had the stick, but but you had to draw that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. And, yep. and everything had wow. to be in line. And, you know, if you did it wrong, you like scraped it off and redid it again. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. I, I do graphic design. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of where my background comes from that. But other than that, for the photography side of things, no. I mean, my dad's not photographer he mm -hmm. picked up a camera he's taking photos but <laughs> yeah, he like yeah. in no way shape or form form like you know put any kind of extra meaning into what he photographs other than oh this is cool click mm -hmm. and takes a photo of it so <laughs> the reason i wanted to join photography was literally just because i needed an elective and i was like I've always, I've like, there's just always been something in my mind. I was like, man, photographers are just so cool. Like I, I've always wanted to like, be able to work with like just this tool mm -hmm. and like I just I wanted to understand photography yeah kind of the fundamentals of it how mm -hmm. it works I had no idea how a camera works so I was like and my friend also told me that he loved his darkroom photography course at ECC and okay. I was like huh I'm gonna do photography this year and so it's funny that you mentioned that that's like <coughs> ever since you've known me because we've known each mm -hmm. other I, I would say as 
closely we have for what, like three and a half years, four yeah, years, some, maybe something like that, more or less. And I probably even been, when I first met you, I knew that you did photography, or at least that's what I thought. Yeah, well, and so that's the thing. I have yeah. not been a photographer for, I think, since twenty. 17 2018 was when I first picked up a camera and started doing that. Oh, so maybe I'm wrong. So I have not I have not grown up been being the kind of photographer, which is interesting just because you know you kind of make the <clears> correlation <throat> where it's like that's who I am yeah. now. Yeah. But it, it wasn't always like that for mm-hmm. sure. And so it was kind of a thing where it was like it kind of happened like I just took the course and then yeah. boom, I was like into it. And so yeah. I, again, I started in darkroom mm-hmm. and for me like Again, with the everything that I could comprehend through homeschooling, I was like, man, I really want to experience this medium the way that people before me have, right? Yeah. Kind of going through the history, understanding it, how it was, and mm-hmm. how it is moving forward. And so that's why I specifically was like, I want to learn darkroom before I even pick up a digital camera yeah. and okay. learn how to do that. So I did start in darkroom. And from there, I learned all about, you know, how camera works, how light works, how mm-hmm. film works, how the chemicals interact with the film and pull yeah. out that image and all that. And it was super, super fascinating. The, f- the first image I ever took was on a cardboard box pinhole camera with photo paper inside. And yeah. you literally, you just put your finger over the hole, you find a spot, you lift it off, and you just let the camera sit there for 30 seconds perfectly still. It just slowly burns the image in, and then you cover it up, and then you run right back to the darkroom and pop the... <laughs> the paper out and put it yeah. through the development process. And so that's how I learned huh. how to develop on, pa- on paper. And then it kind of morphed there into more um, working with actual film. So, huh. so I took my Darkroom One course okay. in the f- spring of, I think it was 20, it was 2017. I always get confused. <laughs> it was 2017 or 2018, but I took it in the spring. Four years ago and then, or three yeah, years ago. Roughly, yeah. I mean, okay. So, so spring, and then I took a digital course as a summer course because I loved it so much. Okay. That I took a summer course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Digital photography for the only, like, I wasn't getting anything from it. I was already mm-hmm. reaching my elective quota. It was strictly for interest sake. Yeah. So I took the digital course over the summer, enjoyed it, had a great mm-hmm. time. I went on a family vacation around Michigan, mm-hmm. brought my camera with me, and I did, uh, like, probably 60% of my projects just on that <laughs> vacation and getting all those photos. And then in the fall, I was in darkroom too. I was already considered like an advanced student, not by mm-hmm. knowledge shake, but just because I've already put in two semesters yeah. in regular photography. So from there, I, I learned even more uh, concepts such as like, you know, moving up film sizes to like the medium format films, like yeah. the larger 120. And then I even did some um, sheet film like the large um, view cameras with like the bellows that I use in the studio now uh, mm. during that time in that course and I was just hooked man I just loved everything I was like man this is like this is really really cool so I just kept on pursuing it and pushing more and more and um, yeah and then eventually after that I was taking more uh, independent studies which is literally yeah. like using the information that you learned from this tool and learning how you can apply it to getting an overall message across. So mm-hmm. at the beginning of the semester, we would have to submit like like a thesis or a proposal saying this semester, I'm going to focus on strictly blank. And my professors were very much like, 
we want you to pinpoint exactly what you want to work on. Mm-hmm. We don't want it to be very broad. So my first semester was like, oh, I'm going to work on three mini projects and I'll have time yeah. for all three of them. Yeah, and I'll yeah, be yeah. perfect. And they were like, I, after my first critique, I was like, yeah, so here's where I'm at now. And they're like, okay, you need to stick with that one project hmm. and work on it the rest of the semester. And I was like, oh, <clears throat> cool. So I did that my first semester. It was, it was, a, it was a, um, like a, a visual study on the characteristics of different types of coffee beans. And it was, it was actually okay. a really cool project. I, I actually really enjoyed it. I'm glad that my professors pushed me to pursue that more. But yeah. um, so that was, a, that was really fun. And I think that the reason I was really hooked on it is, again, I did um, robotics in high school. And that really taught me the technical side of things. Just like, you know. Did you do the Lego League? I did, I did do Lego League when I was younger, <laughs> when I was younger, yeah, and then I moved on to the, the larger version of that, in that same program, but the, okay. the larger version of that with the metal robots, and <laughs> I, I did thoroughly enjoy it, I'm not going to lie, I'm not an engineer by any means, I was much more of like the face of the team, <laughs> like where you like go and like, hey guys, this is what we're doing, and kind of the translator, honestly, between like our engineer who is always like miles ahead of people yeah, which yeah. is the kind of guy he is he's like mm-hmm. thinks things totally different and like he, he needed somebody to like tell that to and then be able to tell other people <laughs> because he was not able to word it like in the way that was easily digestible yeah, yeah, yeah. so I had that technical side to me and I really enjoy that mm-hmm. but especially through robotics it really kind of enlightened me on my creative side and seeing things okay. I'm trying to be as innovative and creative as possible mm-hmm. even though things have always been the way that they have been there's always ways you can change it and make it better mm-hmm. but you know don't think that you're better than history like there's a reason that we did things like this and why yeah. we did that so for me photography is that perfect blend of like <laughs> science and creativity Hmm. right you're almost like a scientist Mm -hmm. in the sense of or i guess a technician right it's like you're working this piece of machinery and without having that background you can't execute your artistic vision you can't execute your artistic vision if you don't Mm -hmm. have that technical side of things so wow that process that you know idea that Mm -hmm. i had behind it was like so intriguing to me yeah that's why i really started to push more towards it and i really wanted to respect the tradition um by doing the dark room first but my professors are very um open-minded and they were very much like listen like we love we're not going to tell you that a film camera is better than a digital camera Mm -hmm. i mean they had their advantages and disadvantages for sure but we like we want to respect the history of cameras and not like completely push that away. But at the same time, we don't want to limit ourselves Mm -hmm. and being like, this is the tried and true way that we need to do things because then that leaves no room for innovation. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I'm very thankful that I had my professors that I did at ECC because they very much pushed the fact that like we can live in this hybrid world where we can use film, but we're also in the year 2018, 2019, like mm-hmm. we had the technology to push this even further. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started to really experiment with like fusing the two. And that was like mind blowing, being able to like take a digital photograph, print it onto clear cellophane paper or like transparent paper. Mm-hmm. And then using that as a, we call it a digital negative because it's a negative that you can then put on paper and then use in the dark room to then make a, a silver gelatin print which will then last a hundred years it's like nuts so it's kind of that idea of like yeah the the historical thing is that it's here it's always will be 
because it's just timeless. And like the process, like silver gels and prints, yeah, they'll last, you know, hundreds of years. There's photography is a pretty new invention. It's only about 150 years old. Oh and, okay. um, and there's been prints. The reason we don't know how long they last is because they literally have not been around long enough for us to find out. So there's been stuff that's been created, you know, in like the 1860s. Yeah. That's still around today. And it's still going strong. And that's like fascinating to me. Like, I think that a lot of artists, and I have this conversation with a lot of my friends who are artists, is like, the idea of art, and this is kind of like <clears throat> meta, I guess, mm-hmm. is like trying to conquer death in a way yeah. by being able to create something that will outlive mm-hmm. even yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. And so, I don't know, that's something I always kept in the back of yeah. my mind. Well, Just I'm, casually going to drop that in there, you know, right? I'm, so. And but, connect with different people in different eras. Yeah, in it's like a, it's the language ground, that yeah. can communicate, you know, <clears throat> based on whoever you are. You just yeah. got to read it with your eyes and mm-hmm. you can understand it. So Yeah, lots of those main concepts, things like joy, love, loneliness, those you can... You can communicate that through your art and people in an entirely different world can still connect to those different things. And then you've lasted and you have shown yourself to be more than just your lifespan but at the same time you've also connected with different people and brought them back to you and you to them so that's so interesting now okay (laughs) something i've heard is a debatable topic i've heard a number of people who are let's say classical artists painters say photography is an art oh yeah no I, i know that that's a big i know that that's a really I don't know how big it is. I guess I shouldn't say that. I've heard that a number of times. So, sure. And I've heard a couple of different arguments to that. I've heard part of it being that the amount of work that you're... Um, the amount of what you do that's put into it, right? Like photography is capturing something else. It's not sure. your doing and your work. You are capturing that, but it's not... I don't know. It's not your own blood. I, I haven't quite understood the argument of do you know what the ar- real argument against it is is it just that it's not a paintbrush yeah not so a piece I, of paper? listen I, in the, being in the fine art world yeah. and a photographer more or less like there is no shortage of people who truly will bring that to their grave and believe that <laughs> photography is not an art form yeah so my argument is what separates my camera from your paintbrush yeah right okay. so yeah i mean <clears throat> To kind of bring in like some art history, like, and this is pretty popular, like Michelangelo, yeah. when he went to go carve a block, he said, my statue is already in there. Mm-hmm. I just need to bring it out. Yeah. And so from a photographer's point of view, yes, everything instantaneous. It happens mm-hmm. in fractions of a second yeah. and more or less, you know, it's easy. You press mm-hmm. a button. But I think that art there's way more that goes into it than just your process Mm -hmm. or I guess not even your process because your process can span lifetimes and then it can eventually hit an execution in the turn of a switch. Mm -hmm. But I I always like, I actually genuinely had a conversation with somebody who was a painter and they didn't like truly believe like they weren't one of those like, Oh, photography is not art. Like become a painter. Damn it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like, Mm -hmm. I was like, genuinely, I was like, what is your take on that? And he's like, listen, like, the intention is there mm-hmm. and it's not about like, sure, it takes me, you know, 
30 hours to get a piece of a painting out when you can make a photograph and probably like including print time like 15 minutes yeah 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 <laughs> the same size and it'll be <coughs> hyper realistic it yeah. will have no imperfections and all that and so yeah i mean i, I honestly like my defense is just that listen it's all about the intention it's mm-hmm. all about i mean photography is way more than just hitting the button you yeah. have to like i mean it's it's something that somebody can do like easily mm-hmm. yeah but i mean so is writing mm-hmm. like you can write down words you can write a text message yeah you can write a book mm-hmm. but like the difference between that is kind of your intention on what mm-hmm. you want to do with it yeah and so i don't know i don't know if that's a good argument that's kind of my mm-hmm. stance on yeah it. um well a lot of people talk about the difference like pottery isn't an art it's a what, what's the word i'm looking like for? a utilitarian thing no no it's a it's the same thing with what people would say about even things like I've heard some people call um, like hairstyles saying they're artists, right? And 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 other people say that that's a oh, what's the word? Dang it, not like a skill kind, kind of like a like skill, a trade. A, a trade. Yes, yeah. thank you. It's a trade, right? Something you make money off of. But and then there's the the argument that art is is you expressing yourself or other things through a specific medium and that can take place in a lot of different ways and but i i don't know it i i see the concept what i have a hard time with surprisingly is i i could understand someone arguing art photography digital photography that is then highly edited i can see someone arguing that being art but at the same time I could see it easier to argue that as being more art because you're putting more time and work and changing, right? Mm-hmm. Your own self-expression. But like, I don't know, for me watching someone, um, I knew this guy that would come to my coffee shop and he did photography and watching him like take this photo, change the sky to like less cloudy blue mm-hmm. sky and change, you know, the grass to a slightly more this color and da-da. And I just watched that and it felt gross to me. Like, yeah. just to be dead honest, it felt gross to yeah, me no. to see that. Um, but then there's so many different things that other peop- that people can do and do do with the photography is, is, I think maybe part, you could argue that part of the difficulty of photography is that you can't change anything. Like, you're stuck with what you have. And so your goal is then to take what you have and still find the expression that you're trying to make, still find that angle, that feeling out of it, even though you can't, like bar moving something right mm-hmm. but you can't like move a building you can't change the way a building looks right? right and so that's part of the art is that you're having to express yourself through an already set world right mm-hmm. more or less but then if you can also digitally edit it it feels like being able to put your painting up really quickly and then just make a few touch-ups yeah. of that painting you know i don't know i i can see an argument for both but i don't know if you have an opinion on digitally editing photos after taking them like if, if you're a big proponent of that i don't know if you even do that i i would assume not from the photography i've seen you do but yeah so th- that's actually a very interesting <clears throat> angle on that because as you were saying that like part of me as mm-hmm. i'm sure a lot of other people would be like is you see a highly edited photograph and you're like oh well, that was unnecessary yeah, yeah why yeah. did you have to add all that and mm-hmm. it's like well, what do you want from me? Like, <laughs> like, if somebody, are you saying, so if you're saying somebody's a crappy photographer, but they're a good editor, mm-hmm. they're a bad artist. And if they're a great photographer, mm-hmm. 
they're still a crappy still artist, <laughs> right? And so there's kind of like, there's that aspect of it. And it's yep. like, get over yourself. <laughs> like, come on. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you see a photo of like a girl on Instagram, like mm. a selfie. And she's got like her face like in filters. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, like that's disgusting. And mm-hmm. to a point, you're, you're right in that. You're like, that's unnatural. Mm-hmm. But in the same time, it's like, well... I like put effort into it. Like, <laughs> if the intention is to get likes, like it wasn't great intentions, but, but it was intentions nonetheless. You did it. Did what they were looking for. They yeah. they expressed what they wanted Absolutely. in that way and form. But I I guess at what point do things feel fake and false? And I think that might be part of what maybe people have. Part of the issue people have with photography is that it isn't. You can claim you could claim that it's not as much self. You don't have enough ability to self-express through the medium, right? I've heard. I know I've heard that you don't have because the the thing's already there. You're choosing maybe some lighting if you can have, if you have any, um, if you have any. What's the word I'm looking for? Gosh, I'm today. Words <laughs> gone. If you have any you control, <laughs> I know, right? I was just thinking about that. If you have more, con- if you can even control the lighting, right? Yeah. You can change some aspects of the the um, of, of like the ground the and the de- yeah. yeah, yeah. But like only to the extent that you can. You can move some things only to some certain extent. Right. But also, uh, at the same time, like it, you're you're not just capturing your own artistic view of something you're also capturing life and i it's kind of like fiction writing isn't it where it's like this distilled truth of you are even if you're this angle isn't a real angle someone would have seen of something sure. right you're capturing a truth within it and you're kind of speaking through that in a way that you could write a painting of it but to view actual life through a slightly different angle can change i mean even you you just uh, bend your knees a little bit and you get to see the way that the world looks from my angle and it's probably terrifying and very, very scary looking. And I stand on something, you know, just those few inches, right? Mm-hmm. can change the way everything looks around you. And Absolutely. you have the ability to capture different points of view that people would never be able to see or understand. You're able to capture places and... Um, I don't know, events and things that people can't see. And there's, I, I think that there's such an art form in that, in you're not just doing a selfish form of expression, but like a, like a world expression, right? You're expressing reality. And that's kind of, that's gotta be kind of, that's gotta be difficult. I know I've heard writers talk about that, right? The, the distilled truth of fiction that can be more true than reality because you're, you are bringing things together in a way that people and readers can connect with, understand, um, and still speak a truth with, despite the fact that everything's fake, right? But you are taking truth and you're showing it to people in a way that they can see it, understand it, take it in, and hopefully be changed by it because it's a way they've never seen it before. So there's like, it's art, but it's it's very real too, it right? Is, like, like very... that's that's a heavy burden. Yeah. To do that. Well, I mean, and, and so part of it is there's like two perspectives to look at that is like yeah. you know, am I creating something mm-hmm. for the sake of having somebody else in mind, or am I selfishly saying this is what I'm seeing? I want you to see what I'm seeing. Mm. And so there's that intention of it behind it as well, yeah. which I know more times than not a lot of people are like you know, well you see a photograph and you're yeah. like, Oh, I wish I was there. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so you're like, 
so there's like that kind of paradox where mm-hmm. you're like, am I doing this <clears throat> for somebody else? Am I doing this for myself? Is there a happy medium in the middle yeah. where we can both be somewhat satisfied and mm-hmm. maybe if you like it enough, you'll buy it, you know? And so, and kind of to go back a little bit as you were talking through that as a kind of a, uh, going back to defending photography and kind of talking about that. Um, I also, Taking Darkroom was very enlightening for me, all pun intended, because... <laughs> No puns. That's a rule. Oh, no puns. There, that's I'm, a new rule. I'm, I'm, I'm making the rule. It's my leave. podcast. I'm making the rules. <laughs> okay, no no puns. No more puns. <laughs> Certainly not intended. Yeah. Okay. Noted. <laughs> One more sip of whiskey and then I'll... Uh... The so, Woodford's is good. I haven't yeah. had it in a little... We're also drinking Woodford's. Yes, Woodford's and um, our coffee is a great pairing. Bo decided to... Dual fist it. <laughs> I did. I totally am just And I, I, I certainly wasn't going to say no. <laughs> my, my coffee's gone now, though. But, um, yeah, getting back on track is, like, I loved <laughs> when I took my darkroom, it really opened the idea that photography is painting with light. Yeah. When you think about oh, it. Oh, wow. Which is, opens up a whole other mm-hmm. lane of this <laughs> as well. So, like, it all happens in an instant. Light yeah. moves super quick. Mm-hmm. But... At the bare root of things, you are literally choosing how you can manipulate lights. Mm-hmm. And that's why taking darkroom and doing analog photography really nails that home. Because it's mm-hmm. literally like, there's so many times when light can come in and ruin your shot. Yeah, It can happen when you're loading the film. Mm-hmm. It can happen when you're taking the photo. It can happen if you jostle the camera and you expose all your images. When mm-hmm. you take it out of your thing, when you put mm-hmm. it in the development role, did I seal the development role correctly? Is it gonna get light leaks? Yeah. I develop it while I'm developing. Oh, I hope these come out. Is, is this light gonna ruin it? Mm-hmm. And then eventually, at the end of the day, if you did everything correctly, you pull those images out and you see little squares with little people on them, right? <laughs> and so you're like, um, like there's so many situations where light, which is around us constantly mm-hmm. at every time, could come in and ruin your idea and vision. And being able to control that, like, is already kind of artistic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like being like, I choose to open the world for one five hundredth of a second, right? Uh-huh. And now that moment's I own that moment mm-hmm. and is I mean, again, looking at is that selfish? Is that for somebody else? But I own it. It's yeah. mine. Yeah. Right? But then there's so many instances where it's like, I have to take this image and I have to carry it with me. I have to mm-hmm. take that burden, which is, again, another thing when I like analog photography, it takes space. Mm-hmm. You can't just pop off mm-hmm. 200 photographs and have mm-hmm. it stored in a one inch by two inch USB drive. Like, mm-hmm. I have a binder full of every single image that I've ever taken. And that wow. occupies space in yeah. my world. Mm-hmm. So. I think that that is another argument that could be made for that and is another thing that I just like think is like it's so insane like <laughs> like every single image that I have like is physical in this world right now because I saw this art installation which I have to look up and show you after this it's yeah. I, f- I forget who did it and what the thing was but they basically they set up this program okay. and it pr- the program they had a printer in a room a blank mm-hmm. room probably probably 10 feet by 10 feet, like 100 square feet, probably bigger actually. And literally he set up this program and all it did was print every single image on Flickr, which is a cloud storage site for photographers where they upload photos to like Mm. share with people. He set up a program that was printing every single photo 
that was on Flickr. And what happened was this room, like that was a hundred square feet. And I can't remember. It was huge. Yeah. Filled up halfway with pieces of paper that had images on it. And it was kind of to show the fact of like, like your action has consequences. Like, you know, give or take, it's a picture. It's not going to hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. But it's like, we can't just go around and like take these photos and claim what's ours and not have mm -hmm. it be some sort of burden. And wow. that's another aspect of like art that I just love. It's like, I always say that, and people argue with this too, like art isn't art unless you sacrifice something, yeah. be it in time is, you know, we all have limited amount of time for how much you mm -hmm. put into something. But more than that, like analog photography is expensive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I take a shot, especially in my Polaroid, it's like $20 for eight shots. Yeah. It comes down to like almost like $2 a shot more, mm -hmm. even more than that. I have to like make sure that I am on the ball that this is what I want to shoot. I don't yeah. want to just shoot things willy nilly. <clears throat> right. And so there's that aspect of like, you know, this is not only going to take money, this is going to take time mm -hmm. and it's going to take space. Yeah. And that at the end of the day, like this little piece of paper, might fill me with so much joy or I might toss it aside. Like it's, it's all about being able to determine, you know, what's worth it to you to shoot. Yeah. So, and I, I say that because I love analog photography and like, especially my most recent work has all been tintypes, which is, you know, 1880s civil war process, 1860s, 1880s yeah. photographic process, which takes more work than it should. <laughs> But the image that you produce is literally a one-of-a-kind image that can yeah. never be... I mean, it can be scanned mm -hmm. thanks to digital photography, but like that is the image that you print is like the only one that can exist in that world, in your world. So mm -hmm. I think that that's just super fascinating as well. And yeah. um, again, to piggyback on my earlier uh, statement, how like I love this idea of a hybrid world, like... Where would we be without digital photography in the art world itself? Yeah, yeah. You go online and you can look up any painting that's ever existed in a digital format. Mm -hmm. And you're like, how is that captured? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's photography used as a tool to capture other art. Yeah, absolutely. But you're going to look at me and tell me that, you know, photography mm -hmm. is an art because it just captured yeah. your art. <laughs> like, well, but by extension, you have cinematography. Yeah, which I guess I don't know what how if there's as much debate over that, but I mean that's when I watch movies, that's what makes and breaks movies for me. Even and that's why you know you and I when we talked about, uh, when we talked about a cinematography, uh, however many months ago, and and I just don't think that enough filmmakers take advantage of the storytelling abilities through scenes, sets, cinematography. Um, and they try to do it through story concepts and, and sometimes through really shitty dialogue. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the things that people do with lighting and with angles that just can mean everything to conveying feelings and emotions. And um, my dad was telling me, my dad and I, we watched um, Citizen Kane and we watched this new movie that came out, Mank, um, that's about the guy that wrote Citizen Kane. Gary Oldman's mm -hmm. in it. It's fantastic because, you know, Gary Oldman. But it's also really well done. But in, I forget what the other thing we watched was. But we talked about how they shot it and, and how, you know, they, they would saw, 
they, they made holes in the floorboards to get these specific angles and, you know, the different sh- way that they did it and how was it, it was so innovative in all these different forms and stuff. And, and it changed storytelling, right? And you've got like this combination. Storytelling was always done through words, right? And, you, and then eventually storytelling was done through pictures, right? And in paintings, that was the concept. But you're still t- storytelling with your photos. It might take less time than sitting down and making an oil painting. But like you're saying, you have to be selective with it. In one way or another, if you're doing that, you're telling a story and you're like, even just on that grounds alone, you are telling a story with what you're doing. I mean, how can you argue that? I don't know. I think that's weird now. But on that, do you think that the amount of photography people do now (laughs) deteriorates the... What's the word I'm looking for? Just the concept of photography in general. Like, you know, it's like how we print so much money and eventually the the price goes down, right? Right. How much the money is worth and Mm -hmm. stuff. Do you think with the amount of photography that people do all day, every day, this is all that people are posting, right? Like it's really, do you think that makes it harder or easier to see, spot, and understand good photography? Or does this kind of bog down the whole concept and idea of it? that we've given every single person the ability to take <laughs> photos down to children, right? With yeah. their toys, they can take photography. Yeah. They can take shots. Absolutely. So, no, that's a fair know, argument. Like, and it, I, I agree <clears throat> that there is some deterioration <clears throat> of, I guess, value to yeah. that. I don't think that, like, if I was me being a photographer, talking to another photographer, like, we talk about, like, this is, like, amazing. This is mm. art as we want to intend it. And so I think that, you know, adds on to the defense of like the outsiders who are like, you know, judging Mm -hmm. photography and being like, well, you know, I mean, it all comes down to like, what is art? Right. So like you you go to an art show, you see a beautiful abstract painting with like hundreds of different colors and layers. And then someone's dad comes up and says, my kid could have done that. (laughs) It's like, well, you're missing the point. Yeah. Yeah. It's what you put into it. (laughs) And so, I think that that is an absolutely a fair argument to mm-hmm. say, you know, that, you know, so many people are taking photos and even like, and I don't want to be the person who's like, well, if there's no intention, then it's not art. Yeah. I don't even think that's the case. Like, I, I think that photography is a great gateway mm-hmm. into exploring your own creativity, even if you yeah. don't think too much of it. Mm-hmm. But again, kind of comparing it earlier, like we write out texts every single day, like, <coughs> At the end of the day, words are just tools, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's all about using your knowledge of said tool and weaving it into your thought process mm-hmm. to develop what is, air quotes, art. And mm-hmm. so, I, I always describe my camera as a tool to people. I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, listen, like I, this is like it's an extension of me, sure, but like yeah. at the end of the day, like I'm not going to put the camera down. It's going to take a photo of something. It's like mm-hmm. I have to operate that. Mm-hmm. And see the world, like my eye then goes into the camera, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, it's the same way that I'm not saying, again, I'm not trying to say like that it's being misused by any means. Like it's mm-hmm. a technology. It's great. It's super helpful. And it's, yeah. it's like, it's like a pencil, like mm-hmm. pencils can do so much. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's all about your 
thought process behind it, I guess, is kind yeah. of where I'm getting at it, which is what I really want to nail home, even though I've said it like 20 times now. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I, I definitely do see that there is a deterioration <clears throat> in value just because of the pure, mm-hmm. like, amounts like, yeah. of, of how much is happening. But, mm. like, to go back to, like, that Flickr printing thing, like, that kind mm-hmm. of is a prerogative of being, like, like these actions give or take have consequences to the person who can control that and yeah at the end of the day like it's you or it's some guy who makes a robot that prints images on Flickr. but i think that and you can't expect like a seven-year-old to know that like, yeah they pick yeah. up a camera and they're like shooting like ah there's a squirrel outside and you're like no that's sacred never, sacred child never want to be something like Just... that but i think that photography it's it's as accessible <laughs> It's super accessible, but it can also be the ultimate form of your view on things too. So, wow. Do you, do you think that the, that handing every Joe Schmo, uh, iPhone, right? That people do their photography off of, right? And make money off of that. Do you think that, does that cause issues someone like you that wants to do this for a living to know that people will be like or that people might be like i don't need to hire a photographer for this i have an iphone so is everyone else right or Mm -hmm. i you know is this caused issues in photography as a field so we talked about the art form so now working form as a field of photography because you know people will say for example Graphic design, anyone, the fact that people, a lot of people can just do that at home, right? On the mm-hmm. computer, don't have a degree. Anyone can publish a book through Amazon, mm-hmm. right? Does this cause issues? Does this deteriorate it? And have you seen negative, uh, you know, negative um, results? Is that the word I'm looking for? But like negative backlash outcomes, kind of, right? yeah. backlash from it being just the common thing. Oh, I can do photography too. Yeah. You know? I, I would say not necessarily. I mean, again, there is always going to be some sort of depreciation of value based on how popular something is. And every single person, <laughs> you know, roughly <laughs> in any kind of developed country and some non-developed, you know, have like a phone in their pocket that they can take a photo with, mm-hmm. right? And they have that tool. Um, for me, another thing that applies to photography that I haven't addressed yet is that for me, I thoroughly believe that it doesn't matter what you're shooting on. Mm-hmm. If you're a good photographer, you should be able to pull any kind of meaning mm-hmm. or execute your vision to the best of your ability based on your practices alone and not mm-hmm. what the tool you are given. Because again, the, the, the camera is a tool. So... An example of this was another thing that my professor said to me, and I, I, I've been carrying it with me ever since, is he was like, you know, some of the greatest images on, like, National Geographic in, like, 2001 were <clears throat> taken on cameras that I wouldn't even touch these days. Yeah. And those were, like, award-winning, beautiful photographs. They're still beautiful to this day. Yeah. And it's like how, but now I can get a camera that shoots, like, you know, a million gigapixels or whatever. And it's like, it can capture like every fine hair on somebody's face. But like, if it's not put in the right hand, somebody who can make use of it, no, it doesn't matter. Like I was given a photo project in my, um, in my darkroom two class, my advanced class. Mm -hmm. Um, it was my third project. So I had, 
my first week was just reshooting out of 35 millimeter. My second week was moving up to medium format. And then my third week, my, my professor took our cameras back and he gave us these cameras, which are called Holgas. They're literally toy cameras made in Japan. They're plastic. They have no control of shutter speed. There's only one one hundredth of a second and then mm-hmm. bulb, which is where you just click and hold it. And then mm-hmm. the shutter stays open. Those are your only two options. <laughs> And then even the focusing, like, it's kind of like a Polaroid, how it's like its own little square and yeah. the lens is its own thing. Yeah. And literally the way you focus it is there's little, <laughs> there's little symbols on the top. And so there's a single person, there's three people, there's a tree, and there's a mountain. <laughs> that's all you have to yeah. be given to, you know, uh, focus your camera. And that was, like, really eye-opening to me. He's like, okay, so you can take a great photo on a great camera but can you take a great photograph on a piece of garbage yeah (laughs) right and like i said my first experience with photography was literally a cardboard box with a piece of like aluminum on the front with a hole poked in it Mm -hmm. i just threw photo paper in there and then went to town and i still have these images to this day and i'm not necessarily like as proud of them as some other ones but i'm like this is my first experience and they're actually not half bad so it's like i think that um you know Going with that, it definitely, you can have the greatest lenses, you can have the greatest equipment, but at the end of the day, it's not what's in the camera or in front of the camera, it's Mm -hmm. who's behind the camera Mm -hmm. that really um, adds that kind of value. And so, again, you can hire, you don't even need to hire, you can have like your mom or dad take your wedding photos and that's totally fine if that's something you Mm -hmm. want to do, but it's like, they're just going off of, oh, this is cool, let's capture that, where a photographer would be like, oh, we, we need well not necessarily we need but you know this would look really good to convey the story of the wedding that you would Mm, want captured so um going with that and i think i don't know if this was in your pocket to ask me later but i'll just go ahead and like say it because it's (laughs) like i know that there's also the idea of like photography at like being a professional photographer Mm -hmm. are you curating fake moments Right? Like, so at your wedding, you were like, you hated the idea of, like, stopping everything just for the point of a photo, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, and doing the pre-photos or or having my big thing was I didn't want someone in the middle of the ceremony running around while you're... Yeah, <laughs> distracting from the moment, I've right? been to weddings like that, or yeah. I'm sitting in the aisle, they're getting married, I can't hear anything because there's someone running back and forth with six cameras <laughs> right on your way. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. In the middle while they're saying their vows and you're just here... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, well, like, well I, I feel like what you're you're killing the current moment for yeah. a concept of a memory that isn't real was exactly. was my big thing, and I maybe that's me being an asshole or pretentious, but that was how it would feel to me. That's, well, that's absolutely how yeah. it would feel to me. It's why I don't like post photos. Mm-hmm. I don't like that kind of stuff because it's. You know, I look back at my at old photos that my family has, and what I love, and, and uh, Mima and Papa P, you know, my great grandparents, mm-hmm. very few posed photos. Lots of, um, what are they candids. called? Candids. Candids. Lots of candids of parties, of people, of places, of things, of just, it's more documentary. And so I get a way more out of that than it's seeing a bunch of people gather together, fake smiling and looking awkward. Like there's, yeah, I don't know. Those feel like very different moments and purposes behind Absolutely. them. Yeah. And so going back to like how I kind of opened up in my talking about my history of photography, like yeah. I said, like ages, literally like 
photos from when I was born to like age 10, yeah. every single photo of me, I'm crying. <laughs> and there is a reason for that. It's yeah. because I, and even as a young kid, yeah. hated the idea of like being on vacation. Uh-huh. You're all fighting. You're all tired yeah, yeah. and hot because it's summer. Yeah. You've been waiting in lines all day. And then mm-hmm. your mom's like, oh, there's a what, like a beautiful fountain. Let's get a photo in front of the fountain. And I was like, no. <laughs> like, I was like, we are fighting. I want to make sure that future me knows that we were fighting in yeah, this yeah. moment. And this was not a good photograph, right? And I some, was not having a good time. I was not having a good time. Like, straight up. Yeah. And so, like, there's so many photos of me just bawling my eyes out. Now, I turned 11 and I was like, I'm not going to cry anymore. <laughs> so that's, that's the only reason that there's no yeah. photos of me crying. There's just photos of me frowning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, there's kind of that aspect. Of, yeah. Like... Like, you know, like, is photography, like, a good photographer is inconspicuous. Mm-hmm. They know how to get the right angle, know how to, like, get close without getting close, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to, like, take people away from the moment. Yeah. But you also want to get the shot. Mm-hmm. You don't want to mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm sorry, I missed your kiss. Right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. you never want to say that. <laughs> but, so, uh, in the professional field, you know, you got to... If you would want to hire somebody like that, you know, they would have to, um, they take all of those concepts and all of those ideas into one person, which is the photographer. They're not just Mm. somebody who uses the camera. They, they are knowledgeable about that on top of like the fundamentals of design. Right. Mm. And so even that, like the ideas of composition, of balance, of positive, negative, Mm -hmm. like all of that is applicable to all art. And you have to find that. Mm-hmm. You can't just paint it. You, you can't, can't just, just add it in. You have to find where you will get that, how you will get that. Absolutely. And a lot of the times in very, in like three seconds, you have to be like, okay, how am I going to get this? Go. Absolutely. Do. Like that's, it's high pressure. It's very you know? high pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Especially at a wedding. And like I do, I, I still to this day do wedding videography when it's wedding season, which is mm-hmm. not currently right now in the heart of February in Chicagoland area. In, during COVID. During COVID. But, um, well, I would think drone shots for <laughs> weddings would be more well, popular. Yeah. You stand on the other side of the park. Yeah. Only your drone is allowed. I've got like 500 millimeter lens. <laughs> I'll get 20 feet between you. There but, you but, um, but, so like even, yeah, videography, you know, it, it's same concepts apply to like knowing your composition and all that. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm just saying like being a professional photographer is photographer is somebody who knows more than to work the camera. Now, of course they know how to work the camera. They know every dial, they know the ins and outs of everything. I mean, to bring it back to that allegory, <clears throat> uh, which I haven't mentioned yet about, I think it was, it's not a real story, but it was like, of like, so this woman like goes to this, She's in the park and she wants this moment painted for her. And so she gets one moment and it's just this artist and he charges her like 30 bucks and he takes like three hours and he gets the Mm. perfect moment, right? And then eventually Pablo Picasso walks by Mm -hmm. or, uh, I mean, an unnamed artist who's very (laughs) experienced walks by and she's like, oh my gosh, can you like paint me? Like you're really famous and you're like really good at what you do. He's like, sure. Paints three minutes gets uh-huh. a great photo gets a great painting and then she's like he's like that'll be three hundred dollars and she's yeah. like why is it so expensive you only took three minutes on it yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. no it's taken me my whole life <laughs> to be able to do it in three minutes that's the i that's such a difficult part of art is is that you are compounding the time and effort it is high it is um 
like high energy, high focus, high. Well, I. Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> high sacrifice Absolutely. in the beginning. Absolutely. For nothing. Absolutely, yeah. And you are hoping at some point you will you be able <laughs> to yeah, to make some money. And then eventually you can make more and more because of your experience and things. But like couldn't you also make the argument that the less photos you take, the more money the ones that you have are worth? And so is there a is there a medium to that? Because technically now you're a famous photographer. There's three hundred photos that you have that you've taken okay there those 300 photos are going to cost less individually than if you are a famous photographer and you have 30 right right because because of that scarcity so is there is there part of i mean obviously with any art you are banking on hopefully someday well if if you're trying to make money out of it Mm -hmm. but is there part of photography that while yes it's really easy to like you know mm-hmm. that to always have that intentionality behind it to keep the discipline alive and to keep that you know being very specific and mindful. Kaden talked about that with he he does Polaroids. That's all he does for the most part, and he's like you have to be intentional about every single shot. You can't just be like, oh, maybe this will work. Let me try this, this, mm-hmm. this, this, and this. He's like, I get one shot. I don't take multiple shots of one thing or one concept or one place or one person. You know, you get one try, right? Um, is there something to be said for that? Is there a merit in that? Or, you know, when you if you're investing this, if the, the hope is the payoff at the end, should you be conservative with that? Could, should you be, you know, very mindful from the beginning or should you try to do as many, you know, paint as many pictures as you can, write as many words, mm-hmm. take as many photos as you can to hopefully someday make something out of it. Yeah. So like, that's a difference. I, I would say maybe between personal art and professional art. professional making money. I don't know. Yeah, what the, being um, a professional artist. Yeah. Being a professional artist in that so, way, but. With my experience, I will say there's lots of stuff I love about the fine art field, and there's lots Mm -hmm. of stuff I hate about the fine art field. One of the things that I absolutely hate is the, it's literally like a hype game, where it's like people will put so much intrinsic value on something that is so limited. Now, in from an artist's perspective, it's like, oh yeah, there's only one of this available, so mm-hmm. why wouldn't I charge a thousand dollars instead of like twenty dollars for a print of that original thing, mm-hmm. right? So, but then you get into the point where it's like, oh no, this artist died of a tragedy. Like his stuff is worth a million now, and it's literally just these like corporations, <laughs> like it's literally like these art collectors who are like in the one percent yeah, yeah, who yeah. are essentially like choosing what the value of art is, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day. Like, I literally saw this documentary about it. It was insane where these people would buy $10 million pieces of art, $100 million pieces of art, and it would just sit on their yacht. They would never look at it. And it was just the idea of saying, oh, I have a $100 million piece of art on my yacht, right? And so I think as an artist, part of the battle with selling your art is you know, finding the situation that fits for you. Mm. So for my fine art photography... I've never once um, 
went in with the intention, now I won't say once, but I don't overall have the intention of making money from my fine art. Yeah. Now, it is a, an avenue that could be explored, and mm-hmm. I might do it one day because you're basically like your own small business, right? Mm-hmm. And you use those skills in the videography and in what you're doing now. Correct. Yeah. But that's not that art, you know, that yeah. you're not doing the specific personal art that you... Exactly. It's not like well, one that. photograph equals yeah. $50. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, they're paying me. I mean, I'm on salary at my job, so they pay me weekly to mm-hmm. just punch out as much as I can. Yeah. And like, really, like, already where I'm at, I like, I am doing way more than probably what they were expecting when they hired me. Yeah. But it's literally because that's what I want to do. Mm. It's not like... I'm not like, oh, so my time is only worth this much. Like, mm-hmm. a good artist is able to determine what you enjoy, what you're worth, and, like, the amount of work you're willing to put into that. Because, mm-hmm. again, when you make art, you want to get something back from mm-hmm. it. Like, art isn't always just selfish, but in a sense, sometimes it is. Because it makes me happy to make a great photograph and then even sometimes show people, and like, oh, yeah, that's a great photograph, right? Yeah. And so, knowing that, like, I was raised with the idea of like, you know, and everybody's heard this before, like any job worth doing is worth doing well. Yeah. And yeah. that especially applies to my art because I don't want to be somebody who looks back. And of course, of course, over this grand scheme of things, there's going to be stuff where it's like, Oh, like I don't really like that anymore. Cause mm-hmm. my skills just get better and better the longer I do it. Right. But I don't want to like look back and see something and be like, Oh yeah, I didn't try that hard. On that shot. Yeah. I always want to be like, hey, I did the best that I could in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I produced the best image that I could in that moment. Yeah. And even if it's not something that I'm even like or am proud of today, like knowing the fact that I at least, you know, left it all out on the field being like, this is the best of the best that I could have done in that moment. is like satisfying to me. And so Mm -hmm. to piggyback on that, like I never want to get to the point where it's like. I, I feel like I'm the only thing I'm getting from that is money. Yeah. Right. And so I'm so happy. I'm thrilled that I'm in a job where I can be creative and explore different avenues of my creativity and get paid for it. Yeah. Like that is a blessing, <clears throat> but I never want it to be the point where it loses its value to me personally. Yeah. Right. I always want to be able to find some sort of connection with what I'm making even mm-hmm. if it's something as simple as pouring a beer right yeah, so yeah, yeah. so huh. there's definitely that do you think there's a downfall to digital photography because it doesn't have um originals right like mm-hmm. like you don't have with paintings you have the original and then you have prints right and yes. you could do the same thing with with analog photography right you have mm-hmm. the original and then you have prints maybe of that right. especially with your with your um your silver... Um, the tintypes. The tintypes. Yeah. Um, but with digital, you don't have that. You don't have the original, right? It's They're yeah. all prints. Am, am I right on that? Yeah. Like, there's not any concept of originals within that. Is there... Does that minimize the... At least, probably, um, financially, it does. Like, what you can sell them for because mm-hmm. they're all prints. Sure. But is... I don't know. Like, is that minimize it in general? The fact that it's it's all prints right it's yeah. all just copies of 
the original thing that you don't actually physically have. I don't have it, no. Yeah. And, and so that's kind of strange to us, right? It's this digital, and you could say the same thing about graphic design, right? When you're creating it on the computer, you're just printing up a bunch of stuff. You don't have an original of it. You don't have a tangible, physical thing that you can have and be like, this is the thing I specifically made, and then these are the copies of it. Mm -hmm. Like, is that is that weird? Does that change it? Does it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't... I don't think that it necessarily loses <clears throat> meaning. I think that there there is definitely it's less satisfying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like as an artist. Yeah. That's for sure. yeah. Yeah. Like there is definitely for me. <clears throat> like if I had the choice, I mean, within reason, right? I would shoot film over digital. Mm-hmm. Like just that's just my opinion. Um, but um, I don't think that. Like in the in the professional sense, you know, digital is obviously far superior. You don't have you're not limited by the cost. You're only limited by the cost of the camera at the, mm-hmm. the initial investment, mm-hmm. and then your investment in time. Mm-hmm. I will say that like definitely analog photography is in a renaissance right now. Mm-hmm. Like absolutely, everybody would agree that it's like um, there's there's definitely a high demand for that oh, yeah. kind of. Um, effort being put into analog and it's unfortunate because due to covid and all the manufacturing stuff like it's only gotten more expensive since yeah. like okay. within within a year and a half i mean a roll of kodak film has gone from like six dollars to like fifteen dollars no way no yeah it's crazy and so wow. that really pumps the brakes a lot for a lot of us because mm-hmm. like we want to be able to put so much time in this and you know mm-hmm. anything that gives you life is worth paying for yeah. but like if it's gonna like <laughs> take so much of mm-hmm. you to pursue that more and more like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be honest that's part of the reason I haven't been shooting as much analog as I've been wanting to it's because it's yeah. so expensive these days and I, of course it will be worth it if I invest mm-hmm. in it but it's like is that the smartest thing for me like pragmatically yeah. see and that's so interesting because with with painting, right? You pay they pay painters pay so much money to get canvases and then to get the different paints. And you have to mix the different ones. You know, it's all this stuff and it's very expensive. I mean that's something Amanda has run into so often. She's like, I want to paint. I don't have the money to buy quality canvas, paints, brushes, you know, seals and different things like that. But at the exact same time, you pay for only being able to get a few shots and you could not get those shots and and just have wasted right everything mm-hmm. like no matter what you could you could pay the money you could have your six shots and then that's it that's all you get whereas a paint an artist could still recover the canvas re you know restart once they buy the canvas they have the canvas unless they rip it or at least from my understanding of paint you know once they seal it obviously mm-hmm. but if it's unsealed they have that canvas at least right and they can paint something you know, not like the way they did this thing, you know, wipe it off, mm-hmm. repaint it and stuff. You have the amount of shots that you have and that will continuously cost you money until you get that shot. Like that's, that's, uh, that's more effort in a number of ways, right? Like, like you are more limited by that. That makes things more difficult and you can't get them developed just around town anymore, not right? Anymore, you have to send no. them off somewhere. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so like that's, that's another thing that, that adds so much value to it. It's like 
back when when film was mainstream, mm-hmm. you would it was it worked pretty much the same way it did now. It was just more expensive and it took more time. You'd go and you'd pop all your images off and then you'd give it to somebody and then yeah. they'd take care of the rest. And then you'd get it back in a couple days and then you'd have your images <clears throat> and you, you, didn't, you didn't have that full control of like the whole process of mm-hmm. carrying that torch of like from the start to finish, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's another thing is that like, and all back in the day, there were people who worked in dark rooms, <clears throat> believe it or not. All yeah. they did was develop photos and that was like the norm. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, there's probably, <laughs> I could count on my hands, the people in the state <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who yeah. own buildings that do that. And even the Walgreens, which do do photo developing now, they have this new process. Wait, they do? They still do. But here's the no thing. No way, I thought they stopped. Or maybe not Walgreens. No, I think Walgreens does. Some Walgreens do. They've got photo departments. I know they did, but I thought it was just printing digital. No, so they do. But here's the here's the problem with that. Is okay. that if you give them your things, they have like a fully automated process that like develops it for the most part. And the scanning process destroys your negatives, and they will never give you your negatives back because they're destroyed. Wow! So there's literally holy it's, crap! It's nuts. So that's the only physical. That's what you have. That's right? your like, copy. That's your copy. That's yeah. your original. So they scan it and digitize it, mm-hmm. and then it's like, well, then what's the point of analog, right? Yeah. Well, in in so when Walgreens doesn't do that, you do that at home. You have those negatives. Yes. And you store those. I, and I, you I, keep those. I do. And those are your original. Like that, you have that. You know, that's not something they don't wash away eventually. I I know nothing about photography. That's your, you can store those and keep those indefinitely. Indefinitely, yeah. Wow. Okay. And then just print them whenever you want. But again, and then even the printing through a dark room is already more valuable than printing it off of an inkjet printer. Because then once you get your negatives, which takes the process, you then have to go through the process of printing your images, which is essentially. I mean, realistically, it's taking a photo in reverse. <laughs> you yeah. shine your light through your negative <clears throat> onto the piece of paper, and then you take that, and then you develop that again. And so even like just having a silver gelatin print is already far more valuable than printing something out of inkjet. Plus, inkjet prints only last like 10, 15 years? No way. And then the ink starts to dry up, and it starts to fade. I didn't know that. Yeah. So inkjet prints, like if you ever... For all of our listeners at home, if you ever print like a photo, there are no listeners. Yeah, no, just it's so just you know, me and you again in the car. <laughs> there, I think I've had four views, <laughs> maybe, well, and I'm well, pretty sure four, that was Brennan yeah. listening to it on on okay. my other. This podcast. is for Brennan. <laughs> Brennan, if you print an image, even if you get it printed at a Walgreens, yeah. I mean, in a modern day scenario, yeah, they're not going to last as long as they do in a dark room. Which is why there's even more value on the the permanence of your yeah. of your print right mm-hmm. and so more work gets put into making it but you get a print that lasts 150 years wow for 10 minutes additional work now of course you have to pay for the chemicals yeah. and all that stuff and the equipment but well okay so dual question yes a does the has the modernization in the revival of analog photography developing it yourself in dark rooms and stuff has that brought more businesses back into that and more like is it do you think it's going to become consistently easier to do that starting now with it having a revival in b you've been doing this through ecc or you have done it in the past 
is it financially, does it make sense for you to take an independent study at ECC and have access to all that stuff and do it yourself versus taking the photography and sending it somewhere for sure. someone else to do it? Yeah, so uh, first part of that is I think in some degree, yes, Yeah. it is getting a little bit easier. So here's the problem is that like with Polaroid, right? So yeah, those po- came Polaroid started to go out of business. Like the last time that Polaroid made original Polaroid film, I think was 2007. And then they like basically went bankrupt because nobody was buying Polaroids then. Mm-hmm. And they literally, what they did was they took all their machines and they scrapped them. They sold them, they sold them for parts. And then I don't, nobody, like, they're probably, I'm not a Polaroid historian, but I don't really, I think from my understanding, like, they destroyed all their recipes and all their machines that made the film just up and gone in a year. Wow. And so this revival of Polaroid is literally people coming together and trying to recreate that recipe as good as they could before. Mm. And it's still nowhere near how it was well then what is the polaroid company that's making film right now so it was it was a a project called impossible projects and then they eventually bought wait stop it was them because i bought amanda a camera off of the impossible project yeah and so now impossible bought the polaroid name and so now they're holy crap i didn't know that yep wow but literally all the polaroid film these days is like our best guess Mm -hmm. as to how they did it and so that's like gone but now the more people work on it the more reliable everything is becoming. Okay. There was this, the, the original <laughs> Polaroid was a peel apart Polaroid. I don't know if you've ever seen them. It's like Polaroids you shoot, you pull them out and you let them sit for like two minutes and then you peel them apart. And so you get your negative on one side and then the photo on the other. That was like the original Polaroid before they went through the That's rollers. That's so cool. It's really cool. Wow. But that went out of business, yeah, in 2007 as well. And there's now people starting to recreate that style of film which i am fascinated with i want to shoot more and more of that but man like they've got no machines that can do this the only company that's making them Mm -hmm. from a modern version which is about as good as it used to be not all the way but they are literally making them by hand and you buy a pack packs used to come with 10 you now only get one and it's about ten dollars a shot Wow. So you can you get one photo. You get one photo. Ten dollars. Ten dollars. One photo. You have to buy it in a pack of three. So it's thirty dollars. So thirty dollars for three shots. Yes. And they literally they pack each one by hand because they care, but they literally don't have the money or the equipment to invest in making ways to mass produce this because I mean, it's weird. Analog photography is like, it's old, but it's new. Because <laughs> now people, there's a, re- there's a renaissance. And so there's like, like just looking at it from that angle, you're like, these people care about it so much that they're making 10,000 units a day. Yeah. And they are stuffing these films by hand. And it's like, wow. But it's unfortunate because now we have like COVID and all that. And that really like put a halt on it. Like there really? could be a recession in the photography industry that like, we may or may not be able to recover from, right? I mean, we it didn't will. spark interest. I know, I guess, with the from the um, business side of things, right? Or, or from the um, like factorial side of things, right? Sure. People being able to work on that. But it didn't spark a revival in interest. Like, I have nothing else to do. I can take photos of the empty streets and of you know mm-hmm. trying to trying to document this crazy time. Yeah. It didn't it didn't bring an up? Well, I would say. 
yes and no, yes, <clears throat> interest was generated because people had so much time and because <clears throat> it is such a lengthy process. But <laughs> like bread went through us. Yeah, but <laughs> everyone like, knows bread now. Bread, <laughs> but but like um, but you know, for six months they weren't making film because the manufacturing places weren't needed. Yeah, they yeah. were all quarantining at home, mm-hmm. and so they were non-essential. Yeah, I mean they were they were making it not at the amount that they were before. That's why everything's so much more expensive, and so um, so there is. It's weird. It's like the interest based on the market is like yeah. way skewed and it's, it's unfortunate like i really like as a somebody who like believes in what they do and loves it like i i wish that you know more people were interested i always try and like tell people and they're, they're always fascinated and they mm-hmm. love to learn it but like a lot of the times it just seems like such a tall task yeah. where they're like i don't really know if i have the time to learn something like this mm-hmm. and that in and of itself is kind of having its own backlash but yeah. um so there's that, and to kind of uh, answer your second question, which was, um, is it what was it? It was is it more? Is it worth it to is it go? Feasible? Oh, to, to yeah. What it, what is do? better financially for you to send your photos to a place to be developed or to do a um, independent study at ECC and develop them yourself? Because is that that's like free reign, right? Oh yeah. So uh, I will say, if anybody <clears throat> has. Any independent study courses, you usually have to take a beginner's one, but especially at ECC, for what you pay, the studio space that you get far surpasses anything you can do by yourself. Mm. It's $100 a credit hour. You have to take about three credit hours, so it's $300 a semester, but you get unlimited access to chemicals. You get uh, one of the largest dark rooms in the area. You get... um, all their all their tools, their development tanks, all their enlargers, computer use. You get to print on their large computer, which does like you can do a print four feet by basically ninety feet. They have ninety feet rolls, so four feet. You're lying. However, like you could do it for ninety feet. There's ninety feet of roll to work with. You're, wow. you're not going to use that. <laughs> you're not going to do a four foot by ninety foot. But you can essentially print oh, four feet by oh. like. Let me tell you the first thing I'm doing when ECC opens back up. But you pretty much get within reason, like you get on set up the printer, boys. (laughs) We're scanning my ass. (laughs) Yeah, but ninety feet. (laughs) Oh, we've had too much of the whiskey. Oh man. But um, yeah, so you get unlimited access to the paper within reason. I mean, they'll tell you if you're using too much. But I printed so much that semester, and they never said, "Hey." Can you back off a little bit? You just got to be there when they're not there. You get free (laughs) rentals of all their their film cameras, their digital cameras. Wait, no way. Yeah. Really? You get to rent it for pretty much as long as you want. So, like, I I, I very much heavily believe in the community college system for people, like young Mm. artists especially, Mm. who want to pursue something that they do Mm. and want the studio space. And I can't speak for all colleges and what their darkroom department is, but yeah. ECC's is like top notch. Mm-hmm. And they've also got scanners. So again, if you, like I, I, I do digitize my work. Mm-hmm. It's just easier to show people yeah. like uh, who are interested. Just be like, yeah. I, I never like print those. Like I'll maybe share them on my social media, but I'll never I was about like, to say, do you have an Instagram for, or, or something for your work? I do. My, my main Instagram. I don't really have a personal one anymore. Yeah. So yeah, Bono's photos underscore. Don't don't follow me if you don't want to, but <laughs> yeah. but that's where all of my stuff. And I have not posted anything since October because I've just been lazy and wow. you know busy with life. 
but that is uh, where mm-hmm. I pretty much reserve that exclusively for just like my work. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of a fun collection gallery of like stuff that I've been up to, but again, I haven't really done too much mm-hmm. recently. I'm trying to hoping to change that, but um, yeah. So I cannot recommend doing that enough. And mm-hmm. I mean, if you, the ultimate cheapest route is, and of course, it's always going to be an investment, but getting your own dark room, even if it's a closet with your own chemicals, like yeah. that is in the long run going to be more worth it than setting wow. up your film every time yeah. because there's only a few places that do it. I mean, there's one here in Chicago. Uh, I think it's CSW. They're like the best developers in the Chicago area because they're the only developers in the <laughs> Chicago area that's not Walgreens. And they do everything. But man, it's expensive. It's like $11 a roll wow. for film. How, and much, so, how much in roll? How many? Uh, 30, 35, 35. 36. 36, yeah. 36. So... I mean, if you got five rolls, it's like 60 bucks, you know? Yeah, and you only get one photo per. I mean, yeah, you get the 36. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like with, well, with, you know, when you're getting your digital photos printed, you can be like, oh, three of this and, you know, four of that. Actually, you just get the negatives back. Oh, okay. Most of the time. And you can ask them to scan it. Scanning is usually an additional cost, Mm -hmm. but they'll scan it for you and they won't destroy the negatives because they'll do it by hand. <laughs> but um, wow! But um, oh, you just get the negatives, and then you just from get the negatives to... and the digital, and then yeah, and then if you want, I mean, if you want to get prints, yeah, you either have to print from the digital file. I mean, some place. So I mean, again, don't go to Walgreens, but Walgreens will scan your images and print them for you, mm-hmm. and then get you those digital images as well. <clears throat> but um, all you'll ever have are those digital images and the bins. You'll never have those negatives. Where at these other places, which are more artist in minded, yeah. they're like. You probably want the negatives back because if you ever if you have a dark room at home or if you ever find yourself at a dark room in the future, mm-hmm. you can print stuff from mm-hmm. this, right? So I'm really trying to get my basement dark room set up, which has been just a long process because mm-hmm. I have not had that much time to devote to it. I'm hoping come the springtime mm-hmm. I can take like a week vacation from work and actually spend that time investing in my dark room, getting yeah. everything set up. I would love to <clears> do that and then start doing tin types at home again because yeah. I was really enjoying that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, yeah, that's like the all, like the, the most bang for your buck. I mean, of course it's going to take space in your house. Um, it's going to take time some investment in time yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, like chemicals is something you'll need to like constantly get because they don't always last forever for yeah. sure. But, um, but that's like the cheapest one. And then, yeah, I mean, honestly, Go to community college if you want to invest in that. Even the local studios are expensive. So you have to, there's this one in uh, right here in Elgin um, at Side Street where it's literally the size of, it's a closet. It's probably the size of this closet okay. in here. And there's just two enlargers right next to each other in a mm-hmm. sink in the middle. And I think if you pay for a membership, it's like $150 a month. Okay. And if you pay, go hourly, it's $50 <laughs> an hour. Okay, well, so well, that adds up, right? Yeah, <laughs> obviously the the guy who did that is a statistician. <clears throat> um, but but then you consider, okay, or I can get, you know, uh, three four months of a semester at ECC for three hundred dollars, and you get way more than that. Yeah, way more than that. Yeah, plus unlimited access to professors. Yeah, but the other thing that I loved is that I was Can't always work. constantly in a community of other artists mm-hmm. who are all open-minded and you're like, Hey, how, what, how, what are you doing? Do you want to take a look at this? I want your yeah. opinion. You have yeah. that camaraderie as well, which you just 
can't buy. Like, yeah. right? I mean, you can, <laughs> in, in a sense, but you can't. And so, <laughs> like... You can, through ECC. You know, yeah. ECC should be paying us for this. Yeah, right? this honestly. <laughs> and so, I'll let you talk to them, because I don't know anyone over there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's probably, <coughs> as far as cost-effectiveness, Yeah, that's what I've found for myself personally, but, you know, to each his own, that's all going to be different. <laughs> this, might, this might be the dumbest question you've ever heard. Can you make a copy of a negative can you make a negative roll of your negatives <laughs> okay so you can't <laughs> but i figured but i thought i'd ask the dumb question no. of like hey can you make a copy of a negative and then give that negative to walgreens so, okay. and have your other negative <laughs> so no because walgreens develops it yeah so your phone you send them your undeveloped <clears throat> rolls they develop it yeah and then well, they, well the development process it develops and scans in the same thing Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's a little bit mm. weird like that, mm. but I will say so. There's two things that kind of apply to that. One is for every time you make your negative and you get them developed, you do something called a contact sheet, which is where you take all of your negatives and you just lay it on a piece of photo paper and then you shine a light on it, mm-hmm. like how you would in the dark room, and then that gives you a sheet of paper that has the images on it that are positives. So you can see your images, mm. like, and be like, okay, I like that one, that one, that one, that one. See, From there, you yeah. can print the bigger one, right? Gotcha. And now, because of, you know, modern technology, mm-hmm. we can scan our negatives, and then we can print digital negatives. And the digital negatives, again, they won't last as long as your physical negatives. They'll last probably five, ten years, maybe. Yeah. But you can always print more. But then you start to lose that value because you mm. can just print these off and do more and more. And so it is helpful. Like if, I don't know, like if you were, <clears throat> I don't know, like let's say you and I go camping and yeah. we're, we both have like a disposable camera. We mm-hmm. take photos. I go and get it developed. But you're like, oh, I kind of want those images too. Like because of technology, I could print your digital negatives. Oh, yeah. And then you could have that in case you ever, for some reason, want to go mm-hmm. to a dark room and experiment with it. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, so there is that option too, which is really cool. And that's, that's where I'm like, I'm always like, we always want to be looking forward and not limiting ourselves. Yeah. Because that is an option. Uh-huh. But, you know, don't do it to the point where you're going to lose the value. Like don't throw away your negatives. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scan them and then, or scan them, throw them away and then print digital negatives. But... You just got to find that healthy balance of yeah. like what is what is worth it, like for the ease of user friendliness yeah. to like keeping its value, you know. So, uh-huh. are you? <laughs> I've always wondered this. Having had the amount of experience you have with negatives, can you look at them and get a good idea of what the positives will look like? I can. Um, <clears throat> it's not always easy, especially with... Sounds portraits. like a superpower, just Por- saying. Portraits but... are scary. <clears throat> portraits always look scary <laughs> and negative. And I will say, like, I can get a general idea of the layout, but I, I never, I've never just printed a photo off of a straight negative and not seen what it looked like as a positive before yeah. printing it, for yeah. sure. And thanks to, like, like, the most helpful tool I could use <clears throat> is the invert screen on yeah. my phone. You go to invert screen and then pull up your camera. You can just look at that's hilarious. Like, yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah, and so you can look at wow. your images live. Like, I loved having that thing on my old mm-hmm. first flip phone. Yep. That was just me and my uncle Trey would take <laughs> yeah. photos of each other in negative. Yes, yeah, so and negative. we thought it was the best thing that when you opened your mouth, it was white. It was white. <laughs> yeah. We were like, it looks like we have 
something. I don't even know. It was just like your eyes were red. And yeah. That was, your skin is blue. <laughs> yeah. So that's literally, I mean, that's literally what I do. That's like very early, mid-2000s <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah, but that's, that's what Phones I do. having that That's on. the least I do when I look at it. <laughs> but I almost always make a contact sheet of some sort. Yeah, well, I just wonder because you see, you see in movies people pulling up the strings of the negatives and looking at them. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and I go, what the hell do you think you're seeing? Because I can't <laughs> see anything. Yeah, I but I'm like, maybe... That- Maybe the artist can see it, but yeah, I mean we can, but it's not like I see I see everything positive. No, it's like you're like okay, you're checking composition, okay, you're checking yeah. exposure. You're not like saying, oh, that's a great image. Look at that image. Like no, you're just like okay, did I not fudge up the exposure? Is yeah, it yeah. A clear image, or is it foggy, mm-hmm. or is it white? Yeah, like yeah. You over or underexposed it, right? So it's all about like mm-hmm. just checking for things like that normally. Yeah. But I will say that is the most magical feeling <clears> is developing your roles after cradling it from putting it in the camera, pulling it out, developing it, washing it, and then pulling it out and seeing your images. Oh, that is the coolest feeling. I wish everybody could experience it. Now, having come from, having done analog first, do you think that it is, Do you did you feel more prepared? Do you feel like you understood using lighting and composition in digital photography better than had you just started out in digital photography learning it. Absolutely. Yeah. So there there is a you would say there's an added benefit to someone who just has interest in digital. But an added benefit of learning the composition, the lighting. Those are the only two words I know in photography. Focus. Um (laughs) that that are they want to really understand those and get the best out of it, the most out of it that they can. They should start with analog because they, you will learn more from that and, and have more than if you just took a one hundred and one digital photography course. Yeah, I mean one hundred percent. I do. <clears throat> I will say, <throat> the process is going to take longer, but in the end, you're going to be glad you did it because you spent so much time in those early stages, those like vital foundation building steps for mm. understanding the ca- camera. Mm. I mean, it just, for me, I understood how the camera worked much better because yeah. everything was so mechanical. And you're like, I mean, not that things aren't mechanical for the digital. And I will say that if you do learn <coughs> on a digital, you get the added benefit of seeing what your image looks like right away, yeah. right? But I mean, just the, the pure magic that you get from like mm. properly exposing a roll of film and then seeing it at the end, like the payoff is a thousand percent better than just like clicking it. Oh, it's overexposed or boom. I hit it perfectly like yeah. right away. What about appreciation for the art? Yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. It, it made me more appreciative. I mean, I, 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 when you, you know, it's kind of like <laughs> delivering a baby versus like, <laughs> wait, I've done that. So I, I, I'm oh, going to, yeah. I'm going to be here to scrutinize. Right. Your oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, again, it's like, it's like you, you've been through this long painstaking process. I mean, you're not holding it in your, in your gut for nine months for, by no means. Am I comparing and photography? Wait, let me, let me be, yeah. let me be clear here. Delivering the baby catch i caught the baby yes <laughs> in that way i delivered the baby yeah, i did not have a baby okay. i did not birth a baby right. let no, me let yeah. me just 
specify for that. Brennan at home. Yes. For 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 Brennan. <laughs> yeah, for Brennan. Yeah, I, I delivered the baby. And, and, and John Hamm. That's an inside joke from my other podcast. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so you, uh, you just so John Hamm knows. Delivered the baby yeah. and then held it up by the umbilical cord to the light and was yeah. checking. No, the no, okay. Super quick side note. At one of my mom's births, um, she had her chiropractor there, and she, um, the chiropractor, actually. Um, did adjustments on my mom during the labor to help. Yeah, it was really interesting. But when the baby came out, I don't remember which one of my siblings it was. I want to say it was Kiernan. She adjusted him when he came out. Oh, like right when he came out? Right when he came out. And she did it by holding one of his legs. And like swinging him? No. (laughs) (laughs) Just like I kept ever since I've had a cat, I've thought about like how much fun would it be? This is awful. Wow, this makes me sound like a sadist. But but not how much fun. Welcome but like there the was this curiosity moment. of like picking the cat up by the tail and swinging it like in the oh, Steamboat yeah. Willie yeah. uh Mickey Mouse cartoon. Um but no no, picking holding by one like and he like the baby turns they're automatically like turns to one side and puts their ear like to this one angle and does that on like both sides to make sure their back is straight because you know, coming out that's kind of like a really intense traumatic experience and it can really mess up the baby it was so interesting though for her to be like i'm gay i'm now gonna pick up the newborn by the ankle Mm -hmm. and then he just like leans in this one direction she's like okay all good (laughs) and grabs him by the other one i was like this is some weird stuff going on here anyway i just had to say that when you pick picking him up by the umbilical cord (laughs) that's not how that works yeah no don't try that at home no i've cut the umbilical cord (laughs) That's not how that works. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But yes, you, you have you have labored through all of that to go through, you know, all the painstaking process, the preparation, the effort, the development. Like you you have taken this step by step. Um and, and that's that's so hands on and especially because it's also again like we were talking about, that's not something that let's say a mistake is made. You can be like, oh, whoops like it's done yeah when you've messed up you've messed up oh yeah um and i I, just so you know let me know whenever you have to be like okay i'm about time but um yeah you've messed up like you can't get that back you can't get that image back that must be so terrifying to like walk around with that and develop it and stuff so i mean there's a lot of work put into it along with the art and then you know, ending it, how you want to display it, because that was another thing I wanted to touch on was, as an artist, displaying your art, choosing a frame, choosing um, mat, in, in positioning it, what size you want the image. Like, that's all, that's another thing that I don't think about, right? When mm-hmm. I think about, oh, this is part of photography. But it, it, it is, I've heard you talk about it, at least. So that's like a whole other added step. Absolutely, yeah. That, like, it's just so much to it. Is that something that you learn also in a photography class, or is that just more of something you do on your own? Is that considered part of photography, a photography class at least? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, definitely, um, from the, the, the analog side of things, yeah, I mean, you have to make a print and you have to pin it up on the wall, and, um, you can't just show it on your computer screen. Like yeah, yeah. in my digital class, my professor would pull up our images on the projector yeah. and do that. And so I guess it does vary based on your professor. My professors um, very much put into um, 
the effort of teaching presentation, mm-hmm. gallery, you know, framing your images yeah. and framing is like an art in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Like I would, I, I could see like in my dreams, I could see myself being a professional framer. Like it seems People like make pretty fun. Bank off of yeah. That. It seems like a fun job, but, um, but yeah, I mean, like they 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 stressed the importance of it, yeah. but they didn't let it affect our grade. I would okay. say, which yeah. I think is a good way to do it. Like, yeah. So that's, I mean, they they were like, yes, it's something important, and especially if you become a professional artist, <clears throat> you know, submit things to art shows. You're gonna want to know how to do this. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, if if you pin it up on the wall with a pin, mm-hmm. like. We're not going to judge what's around your photo, <laughs> right? So yeah, I mean, I learned how to map images on a map board, yeah, and then all that. I mean, framing. Honestly, I taught myself framing because mm-hmm. we never framed behind glass our own images. We only the most we ever did was put it on a map board and maybe put a window mat on it, mm-hmm. which is like the you know like when you put it on a hard board and then you put like a board in front with a window in it, right? And then you put yeah. that in the frame. Uh, so we did some of that, but. It is cool because when you start to get to those, um, the more advanced level independent studies, you actually use that, um, like framing and displaying on your wall as another factor of how you display your images. I've got a few examples off the top of my head. Like two of the, two of my fellow peers were like really incredible at this. One of them, she made these images where it was kind of like a case study on her family. Mm. It was very personal to her where she was just like, it was just like her family had like this crazy story where they were like, you know, Mexican immigrants and Mm -hmm. just like this, she was kind of just like a day in the life thing, but she printed her photo. So she had a big portrait of her mom and then some of the more intimate moments she printed like small, like, like four by five images. Mm I'm like a printer, like they didn't have to be that small, but she intentionally made them small. And they were like, why? Everybody's like, why are they so small? Like they should, mm. that shouldn't be. And then she's like, well, I wanted to make the viewer like come close and like actually mm. be physically close <clears throat> to the image for this intimate moment and provide a space of intimacy outside of what's within the borders of the paper. Well, and like, so yeah. there's like that aspect, which I'm like, that is really cool. Mm-hmm. And then the other one was, it was all about, it was a case study on the history. It was actually pretty intense. It was about the history of her sexual assaults. Mm-hmm. And um, she had the, this collection of images where she would just like go to these places where this like predator was stalking her. It was like, it was really intense. Like wow. by no means am wow. I like, making light of this, but it was like, but the final, her final presentation was she scanned her bedroom walls and then she printed at full size her bedroom walls and then she put the photos on top of it in the corner of the room. So it's like when you walk to the corner of the room, you're transported into this her own world of like mm. her going through this experience, which was traumatic. And it was like kind of meant to disturb, but also educate and also sympathize and also <clears throat> claim victory over, you know, dealing with this and getting over it it was like it was fascinating so that's like a whole other aspect that like i don't even think a lot of people consider and it's not something specific to photographers because of Mm -hmm. course you know painters have to frame their work illustrators have to frame their work but i just think that it's one thing that in photography because photography is so new i think that people aren't afraid to take chances Mm -hmm. in doing stuff like that like i I did a Mm -hmm. whole art project myself where it was polaroids that i embroidered on top of 
Um, and that was like all I did. And some of them, one was like two Polaroids that I stitched together at a distance intentionally. Mm. So then you can kind of see like you interact with like these two different Polaroids and your eyes go back and forth. And it's all about like them coming together, but they'll never move because their images and they're stagnant. So it's like, that's just another really cool aspect yeah. that I don't think a lot of people consider either. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely something that I was <clears throat> taught. I did have to seek it out to really uh-huh. push that further. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's something that's really cool and not usually talked about. Yeah. But you know, it's not art. No, it's, it's not. No, yeah. Easy. yeah, no. <laughs> that was way too quick. <clears throat> wow. Wow. That's incredible. Do you... Is there... I know that this is going to be so broad and this is going to be so... This is a very difficult thing to be put on the spot and, and try to come up with something, but is there a philosophy or anything like that that you have, that you can say you've gained from photography? And I'll, I'll, I'll speak slightly, and this is also off the top of my head, on when I write, like a kind of a philosophy, a mindset that I've, I've kind of come up with writing. For me, the ability to to document and to use words in, in, in so many different ways. Sometimes they can be to create separation between myself and, and things. And sometimes they can be to create insane intimacy. Sometimes they can be just to document something. But the concept that words can be used in insane amounts of ways, right? And it's, it's unthinkable the the limits right what i'm able to do with with writing and the fact that i could spend my entire life constantly every single day writing all day every day and still not end with ideas and with concepts and so there's there's always something to write there's always something to say there's always something to express in that that it's just such a specific and yet broad category and idea um and and i'll i'll connect it to something after this my next question that i have um but but yeah it's just such a powerful thing it's why i encourage people to to write even if it's not they're not writing stories or writing things but but the expression the ability to it's the way we communicate, right? Writing. It's the word, but speaking, right? We are just writing down the words that we speak. And it's so much of how we interact with each other, how we figure things out, how we learn. Um, and just to appreciate that, to appreciate letters, to appreciate words and, and all that they do. And there, there's just a philosophy of, of sacredness in that. Like like you look at the Bible, you look at books in, in meanings, documents, you know, the Declaration of Independence or Constitution and, and, and anything like that. Just that is the broad way that we use this thing that's an art, but it's also law, right? It's also the way we govern ourselves and the way that we understand. Like, I don't know if that's a philosophy, but that's certainly a way of looking at it and of, of, of viewing the world, right? I can look at the world in words and letters and stories and, and ideas and stuff. Um, what What's something that, like, when you think of your photography and the way that you use it to express and the way that it's used as, as an art form and a tool and all that kind of stuff, like, what what are 
again, they don't have to be philosophies, but ideas, concepts, feelings that just pop up. They can be as random as what I just rambled on about, you know, like what dig down maybe a little bit. Yeah. So I will say that that is one thing that is constantly evolving as my journey through photography evolves in and of itself. And it's something that's changed since I started and will continue to change. And um, I think that at the, at the root of it, one thing that I, I'm first and foremost is a storyteller. Mm. And I think I love the beauty of having photography be a way to tell a story without words, mm-hmm. right? There's kind of that anonymity or anonymous. right, kid, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, of, of like contriving the meaning of it where it's like, you know, yeah. I, it's it's kind of like crazy that it's like I get to control what you see, but also mm-hmm. what you see is what it is. And so yeah. there's like that paradox of like, yeah, there could be a building burning in the background, but I, I captured a picture of a flower, right? Wow, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. you're like, like you as the viewer would never know that there's a building in the background that's mm-hmm. on fire. I just captured this little flower, but I could simply turn and take a photo of that and you would never know that there's this flower here so it's like that paradox of like playing with it like i get to there is that control of it but it's also not like in a selfish way where it's Mm -hmm. like i want to control it like it's just like being able to create stories and uh like i on my website i had on my about page for the longest time i don't know if it's still there but it says uh creating stories rooted in where they're found Mm -hmm. i'm not one for it's weird. I like to find the balance of crafting a story, but also capturing a story. Mm. And I, I think I'm just fascinated with that paradox of like, yeah. what is me fabricating something and what is me capturing something and mm. what is the viewer contriving from that based on what I'm giving you. And I love mm. to create pieces that are um, like very anonymous but also there we go said it Mm -hmm. from there anonymous but also (laughs) open-ended and so that's kind of how it is from the 30,000 foot view looking down but more recently especially with my tin types I've really been valuing the sacred nature of the photograph and like I mean the entire idea of my previous uh, study was you know treating a photograph as a event that mm-hmm. somebody an apocryphal events that somebody epocryphal not apocryphal <laughs> that somebody you know makes time for because it's a process that takes time for me to do mm-hmm. and i'm willing to give it to you if you're willing to spend 30 minutes with me mm-hmm. just personally one-on-one that connection between me and the subject but also between the subject and the work and between anybody who's going to see that work from now on like i've been fascinated with the idea that like a photograph can be something that's carried generations and generations like an heirloom like you look back at like old photos of your family and you're like whoa like first of all like they didn't look like that because the the technology was weird but like they did too (laughs) and so like this is raw capturing of what they are and there was no way somebody just like pulled out a phone and took that moment they they were like intentional with being like no we want this captured 
not necessarily for us, mm-hmm. but for whoever might see it in the future. Mm-hmm. And I know that kind of is like the exact opposite of what I was saying earlier with like fabricating moments when things are not good. But yeah. that is something that I've kind of been battling with and accepting more or less. It's this mm-hmm. like photography doesn't have to be always candid. It doesn't always have to be posed. But yeah. I did, I've really been enjoying that idea of like, what how sacred is a photograph and if you put the the work into it and create only one piece one plate like what i was doing on the tin you know that piece can be carried down for years like i said there's tin types that have been created that are still as good as new because we don't know how long they're gonna last they just keep on going wow and so it's like it's like the etchings on the on <clears throat> cavemen's walls. Like mm. they're still there, yeah. and somebody created that. I mean, who knows what the intention was behind that, other than drawing mm. a stick person with a spear? But I just I, I've really been playing with that recently, mm. um, and I that's just been like the my most recent milestone with my journey is just kind of that idea of like what is the sanctity of a photograph and mm. treating it with the respect that it deserves but also you know not limiting yourself creativity creatively by doing that so yeah, yeah that's kind of what i would wow. say has been more recent but mm-hmm. and the more broad as well yeah wow what um what would you suggest to people who i don't know not even necessarily people that are interested in photography but i'm sure and i could be wrong correct me if i'm wrong but as someone that loves an art, I'm sure you would like people to at least have an idea of it, right? Like get a taste for it, be able to appreciate it. Like even if you don't want to be a painter, I think, even I don't want to be a painter. I don't want to be uh, what's it, a drawer, <laughs> a sketcher, as yeah. someone who sketch. But I would love to know, like I'd love to be able to try it and do it and, and, and have some like experience with it. Just to be able to appreciate it, right? Yeah. And and so like for me, when I talk to people and they're like, yeah, I just don't really write. You know, that's not what I do. I always tell them, try writing a letter to yourself and just talk about what's going on in your life. The things, talk about something that happens, things that have hap- are happening, how you're feeling, whatever, and open it in a year. And in the power that's behind that, um, your ability to express yourself stamp that down and have that a year later that's still that physical copy that you have and to see the changes in your life and how those things have affected and where you are now like that that in to me that has that brings out a lot of the appreciation for writing and expressing and all that kind of stuff and that's what i give people people are like yeah i just don't write you know i'm not i don't know how to i don't have much of an interest i always say try that you know you might find you love it. What would you suggest to someone that's not even necessarily interested in photography um, as, as a kind of just a taste, a gateway, right? Like a little a way to at least have some interaction with it and, and find maybe some appreciation for it, even if it's not something that they end up doing, right? You know, like not high investment of like, well, I think you should go and take a class. And it's yeah. like, well, that's a lot of time and money and you know and and all that kind of stuff what would you yeah what would you say to that yeah i mean i think that um probably the the easiest and most accessible way um there's two avenues you can go and i definitely see them being more popular now which is great to see like with people experimenting that is like you know just 
buy a disposable camera and mm-hmm. like it's like probably 12 bucks at walmart you can literally get them at walmart yeah and then just like play around with that like mm-hmm. be intentional about the images that you're trying to get mm-hmm. and you know just realize <laughs> that you only on those you have 24 shots realize mm-hmm. that you have 24 shots in mind mm-hmm. is this worth if this is the only camera that i have this entire month is yeah. this moment worth taking mm. and then from there i mean it's totally fine that if you're just exploring experimenting like take those to walgreens take mm-hmm. them to uh wherever else and get them developed get those images back and just see the feeling that you get from seeing that moment yeah. and being like oh i'm glad i took that or mm-hmm. oh I'm, i wish i didn't take that and it's yeah. fine you're gonna have those images where you're like that was a wasted shot uh-huh. sometimes they're not they're, you're gonna shake and you're gonna mm-hmm. blur it it's gonna be not a good image like that's just the nature of the craft yeah. but i would say definitely that um polaroid similar <clears throat> idea where it's like i mean you're it's, it's an expensive process like there's no way of getting around it but if it's something that you are interested in you can mm-hmm. always like like get a camera or borrow one from a friend and mm-hmm. pay for film and just give again, them a quarter for a shot yeah you know? exactly <laughs> and a uh, dollar get four shots <laughs> yeah and then um and then just like be intentional just mm-hmm. like really try and not open the camera app on your phone mm-hmm. and instead capture it with that and mm-hmm. see how you feel at the end of the day yeah. like I, I could find a moment where it's like, oh, wow, it's a beautiful sunset. I could take out my phone, mm-hmm. which I never do, but like I know people do. It's yeah, like, yeah. Maybe instead pull out your camera, take a shot of it. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, that was a great moment. I'm going to forget about it tomorrow. But when I get those images mm-hmm. back, I'm mm-hmm. going to be brought right back into that time. And, yeah. be, and you're going to see like how like just great that feels, yeah. being able to relive that moment. And again, just, just the intentionality and the sacredness of that photo is going to be like totally totally worth it i mm-hmm. promise you so yeah well that i mean that makes me think about one of my big things that i uh, not necessarily argued against but one of the issues i had with everyone having a phone on their camera or a camera on their phone and taking a thousand photos of everything is that i saw so many people just taking insane amounts of photos never being in a moment and never looking back on them right they just had 13,000 photos right on their phone or whatever and it doesn't matter they didn't look back on them they didn't look versus specifically analog when my mom would had all these old photo albums right from from my grandma my great-grandma my great-great-grandma right all these photo albums that they would actually spend time looking back on and I was like the the e how easy it was, the accessibility, mixed with how many photos people could take. It just destroyed that. But one thing I will say, Amanda has kind of shown me wrong on that, and it or at least opened myself up more to that, because she looks back on her photos constantly. Constantly she is looking back on past years, past um, seasons, places, things. She is always doing that. Um, and that's really neat to be able to see her not capturing necessarily in the same way that you talk, that you are talking about, you're doing right. She's capturing a lot of different things and she's, 
She is capturing specific moments, but she's also capturing lots of little tiny moments and lots of, you know, all that kind of stuff day to day. But to see her go back and appreciate them mm-hmm. is really incredible and is really something else. Um, and and so I just don't think as many people do that. Um, and so I, I could see value in saying, hey, you have a camera on your phone. Like, just be intentional about not just taking the photos, but also looking back on them. But I think someone like me would benefit a lot more from what you were saying, getting a, you know, a, a, one of those... Yeah, disposable. Yeah, disposable cameras or something. And, um, and, and being more intentional with that. I've never had a Polaroid. I thought, I think that would be really interesting and fun to experiment with but yeah just to just get a disposable one and be more intentional with that because i think i'd be more prone to take photos and not look back at them as much and have like six photos of the same thing that are just slightly different and you know i'm just like ah and run that out so i i think it's incredible that some people can really appreciate all that taking so many my mom's the same way she'll go back and she'll look through all kinds of old photos yeah you know, hundreds and hundreds and probably thousands of photos, but she'll still go back, look through them. She has them all in boxes. She brings them out, you know. So the appreciation for it, even even if it's not as widely appreciated in a format, like people, st- you know, that way, people can still appreciate it with that. But it's so, it's so funny that so many people have access to it and yet at the same time just take a photo and never look back on it again mm-hmm. and just fill their phones with that so and so i think i think that just to add on to that is like yeah it's just kind of finding how you view photography mm-hmm. as a medium mm-hmm. and combating it like and like you know if if it's somebody like amanda or your mother like you know like that's totally great for them and maybe they should yeah. look on that more maybe their next step is printing those out mm-hmm. and like seeing them in person and mm-hmm. having them like you know take up space, actually be mm. kind of more of a sacrifice than just existing in the phone, yeah. something that you can easily access and show anybody at any time. <clears throat> it's more like, and this is like super old school, but like, hey, come to my house and like see these images, mm. right? Like you have to be intentional about it. And I'm not saying like delete it off your phone, like just like, have <laughs> those prints, you know? Yeah, or yeah. like like somebody like you or me, like if we were going into that, like me being, if I was somebody who never did photography, that would definitely be something where it's like, because I'm not one of those people who like goes back and looks at my photos. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, of course I work in like marketing and so I do that. Like there's tons of photos on my phone all the time that relate to work. But like, I, even when I have moments like that, I don't really like find myself going back that often yeah. unless it's yeah. like, Hey, you have a memory from a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, I want to get rid of that notification. Bored as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what do I do? I don't want to play a game. Oh, I'll look through my photos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that <clears throat> like it's it's just about you know kind of challenging your own viewpoint and kind of seeing how you view a photograph mm-hmm. and then what's the way that you can get the most intention and feeling out of it. Yeah. I guess it's it's it kind of varies because again mm-hmm. it's such a such a broad medium. It's it's yeah. incredible. So yeah, wow. Well, I I bet we could sit here and talk for another two hours, but I should probably let you go and i should probably go because it's late but um, <laughs> yes it is it's, <laughs> but i really appreciate you coming and making the time and we have a number of different things that we can also talk about that you're very well versed in and we can always come back to photography i've also thought about 
how much fun it would be to sit down with you, Jared, and Caden, considering Caden just... And, and neither of them are as experienced as you are in photography, but uh, they both really appreciate doing it in their own way. Caden, specifically with Polaroids, and Jared does digital, and he, Jared edits his photos and stuff. And to listen to you three talk about the different ways you see and view it. I just think mm-hmm. that'd be an interesting thing yeah. to do at another time too. I would so, love to come back and with them and <clears throat> talk about any other interests you might want to yeah. pick my brain about. Oh, but... well, we'll talk, we'll talk about, about whiskey and beer and bartending and coffee and yeah, next tobacco. One, next and... one, the title is just called liquids. Liquids. <laughs> oh, that sounds gross. Yeah, I don't, want, I don't know did, about did that. We just but... lose your sponsorship. <laughs> <that you laughs> Um, but thank you so much for coming in, especially with my, my very distracted brain or something. I don't know what's going on with me tonight, but yeah, thank we you found for... two drams of Woodford in that bottle. That was a good call. <laughs> thank you for uh, holding the conversation and being the, the leader in that thing. So I appreciate it. Thank you for coming in and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And there we are. <laughs>